Hello, and broadcasting from the beautiful central coast of California, it's the Dr. Death Danger Radio Show! What? Oh, I said, I always feel stupid, but what's this song from again? Yes. I think the Solace theme? Sob, man. Alright, this is some fucking high level nerd shit I got going on. Man, no one's solid. What up, bro? All to 90s, all Japan. Like, I wasn't there watching it, but fuck yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what up, listeners? Welcome back to the Dr. Dis Danger Radio Show with your boys, James and Edward. What's poppin'? Hey, I'm Edward. What's up, everybody? Yeah. What's um, it? How's it going, everybody? Wrestling. We are here today to talk about wrestling. Was, wasn't that, uh, was that something I came up with or you came up with something like, no, no, was that something I came up with with like, uh, like whenever we watch a match and like, you know, like at home or whatever, and there'd be a bunch of weird, crazy, dumb spots, whatever, and they know, so it's just like wrestling. Yes. I think that was you and me just sitting there just like, yeah, bro, fucking wrestling. <laughs> Which we're here today to talk about as we're here to review the first two-ish episodes. They're kind of like broken into two parts, whatever. Yeah. The Brian Pillman episode of Dark Side of the Ring that Vice did. I noticed the episodes had a had in parentheses, they had a one slash two. Do you, do you think they aired this on Vice as like one full like two hour thing? I think it did. They did air it on Vice as one like two hour thing. With all their commercials and Fuck, stuff too, dude. I couldn't imagine sitting there for the full two hours. Like, like first, like if I wasn't taking notes for the podcast, this podcast. Well, you would just mostly uh, like you have is, to deal with ads of like, hey, come check out at this time of us interviewing a teenage drug lord who made millions. Oh my god, fucking and stuff, or then get Action Bronson or whoever, or like Fatty Madison or whoever. The, the only ads I it's got, like, yo, what the fuck up? We're here to cook some fucking good shit. You know, the only. Uh, that guy's cool. We sell his books. Uh, he he's real popular. But I was gonna say, um, the only I only got two different ads, and one Action of them, Bronson or Maddie Madison, Maddie Madison, yeah. Action Bronson too. But the Madison, I just guy. know they're both like chunky so think, dudes that cook. I think Madison has this book called "Fuck That's Delicious." Like that's the actual name it's of the like, book. Just saying. Fuck, that's delicious. And he looks like he makes some good grubbins. But yeah, the only ads I got, one of them was in the video, was them advertising season three of Vice. You know, it's like... Uh, well, that's on the, the YouTube. War, yeah. On the YouTube thing. Yeah, and like, when but, you watch it, what? well, actually those commercials of them like freaking advertising season three for freaking Dark Side of the Ring. Dark like, Side of the Ring, It's yeah. pretty fucking annoying after a while. Well, you yeah. start like freaking it's every, like... It's like Eight times every video. Yeah, you start freaking like able to like you can almost like freaking quote it and stuff too. Yeah, almost. You don't know what it's like. The more popular he got, uh, he got more scared of losing his spot. If you want to feel real pain, you gotta go to the top and then fall straight down to the bottom. I was in over my head. I was in over. <laughs> Who my was head. it that said that? Was that? Uh, oh, that's our cat. That's our cat, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's gonna be for the Nick Gage episode. And the only other ad I saw on that was, and there's nothing funny about this one, but it was, uh, like, literally, this was like the only other ad except for State Farm, like once or twice. You, oh, that, you mean like the YouTube advertisement? The YouTube for State advertisement, Farm? yeah. Uh, With the, the only Jake, other, that's a, like Jake two point like three point oh. Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't but, know. They've had a couple Jakes, but the only one they, but the only other one was this one. And there's nothing funny about this one, but it was one basically promoting awareness for uh, Asian violence that's been going on in America since the COVID thing started. Like, 
that like there's this woman doing this like spoken word. It's like a word, a word is you are a word is a feeling and a belief and an idea. And, and she talks just like that. And there's like two different versions and it's just kind of like, but it's, it was like the only ad that was playing. That, that you was, kept on getting? What you've been? It's what, like this documentary was cookies, already bumming me what out. Been, what have you been going on on your freaking like internet? What have the cookie sites been selling information to? I don't know. I think. Oh, he's all about the freaking Asian racism and all the freaking racist prejudice in like United States. Let's give him advertisements. The only on thing, racial prejudice selling shit or the, whatever. The only thing I've really looked uh, up is um, if we're talking online stuff, which actually kind of reminds me of something. I didn't know until today how many websites we're on. What do you mean? Wait, what do you mean? So we're on Podbean, right? Hello, Podbean. Oh, how many websites we're on? Yeah. And I've we're on a, Spotify. I've done Hello, a couple. Spotify. But we're on Stitcher, it's yes. called? Yeah. I wanted to get we're, on Stitcher. We're on um, iHeart. I don't know if it's iHeartRadio. Yeah. Oh, it is iHeartRadio? Should be iHeartRadio. Yeah. iHeartRadio. And then fucking Audible. Run Audible? Yeah, on Amazon. Oh, that must have been one of the Amazon ones. You can listen to us for free if you get a free trial. (laughs) But even if you don't have a free trial, I I think it says it's free anyway. (laughs) Yeah, it should be free. I don't know why the fuck you'd be paying. Oh, man. Like, I haven't seen a cent for doing these podcasts. Yeah, man. I haven't been planning on trying to get any cents on doing these podcasts. The only other thing that's been going on for me recently is just, I don't know if I've said this on the podcast yet, but like, bro, I'm kind of over... I'm kind of over the Lar- like Lars Ulrich It's not funny. How anymore. much Lars Ulrich to be getting? Well, so I was born I know you one and me night. Are like you and me are like older now, and we kind of just like past that. Yeah, and yeah. I haven't been like it's bothering like, with like metal journalism <laughs> and whatever. It's or just, just like, like I was chilling on YouTube the other night, and I was bored. And you know, no small, su- no surprise. The Metallica dudes are all very funny charismatic dudes all three of their bassists and of course uh the main guys especially james and lars and like so i was looking i was like you know metallica funny moments you know just because and then i was like you know what that lars guy's pretty funny i'm gonna type and see if there's like a lars funny moments compilation just because and so i type in lars and i type in the ul and the first thing that comes up is lars auric worst drummer ever and i'm just like Ugh. Oh fuck! And just every single comment section, it's like the dude breathes, and there's like, "Oh Lars is a piece of shit. He's an asshole." And, He's an and asshole. There's literally videos of there's a video that he posted on Metallica's like website, like like years ago when Death Magnetic came out, like thanking the fans for the support because they finally set up their own website. And everyone was just, and everyone's just like, oh, he's just trying to look good. Napster. I'm like, bro, Napster was twenty fucking years ago. Yo. It wasn't yesterday. It wasn't last week. It is 2021. The St. Anger snare joke isn't funny anymore. I like the album and I like the and I and the joke was funny. <laughs> Trash can. But it's like, bro, Leo. it's the same shit. It's like with Kingdom Hearts. Everyone makes the same joke. Oh, Donald doesn't heal me. And it's like, what the fuck? That's a 20 fucking year old joke. It's annoying. But yeah, I'm over the Lars Orakay. I'm not even trying to defend his drumming. I'm just like, bro. I'm fucking, I'm over it. Like, well, I'm older too, and I kind of don't. I'm give over a fuck. shit talking like, it's Metallica. Cute. Like, it's cute when you're like a young metalhead and you're fucking doing that because, like, that's a young metalhead thing. Yeah. I think once you get older, you kind of just stop giving a fuck. Their, there's a bunch of dudes in their 30s and 40s that unironically are just like, yeah, fuck Lars. <laughs> Actually, to go off Metallica, I had a fucking hilarious thing because me. Really quick, there's a funny moment I oh, saw shit. of. Um, 
there was footage of James and Lars in a car and Lars was telling James, he was like, hey, you know, Carrie King uh, said something about us in the magazine recently. And it feels like, oh, what's that? something about you, I think. And James like, oh, what did he say? He said he said he thought that uh, uh, you were like one of the worst guitarists ever. And Hetfield just laughed. <laughs> he was just like, oh, that guy. Oh, that guy. <laughs> Actually, oh, this is almost meme worthy because freaking like, okay, so freaking last night because like we decide quick side off. We've finally fucking move rehearsal spaces. Yeah, we're in a big room. Yeah, we're in a bigger room and that's pretty tits. And I've been trying to coordinate with other people to help move, come move in and stuff to help like lower the bill. Yes, because I'm not fucking rich and we're not and like we're not safe moon money. hasn't gone to the moon yet. <laughs> And Doge, Dogecoin's Coin, getting there. And Dogecoin's not $420 a coin. <laughs> it's not $420.69 yet. Yeah. It is 70 cents, though. Is it? I think it dropped down to I checked this 60. morning. I checked this morning. Yeah, no. Forget. Might have dropped by now. Yeah, I don't know if you want to go on a freaking Dogecoin talk. I don't know, like, if you're like... Because I had an idea, too. I was like, I have a feeling it might dip back down to near, like, 50-40 after Saturday because all, of all this fucking Elon Musk SNL, SNL hype and stuff. So I was kind of curious, like, hmm, should I do is, like, maybe it hits 80 or something. If I see it start dropping past, like, 70 or 60, maybe I should sell off all my coins but just hold on to it till it dips down back to 40 cents. And see if I could buy more friggin' Dogecoin and stuff. And then it most likely creep back up to hopefully whenever. Because it's like, it seems like it's acting like it's going like it's peaks and valleys. But fucking Dogecoin is just going the fuck up. Oh, yeah, dude. We're taking it to the moon. That's the meme. Because Elon Musk is about it. And he's all about space and shit. Everyone, and here's the thing. Dogecoin's like, been like, going to the moon. Like, Dogecoin's now being accessible. uses like proper currency for shit. So Yeah. Which, fuck. Imagine that. Oh, yeah. That's fucking weird quirky jerky like it was a fucking goofy me i because at first i thought like is this a, a coin with the meme i'm like it's on robin hood like why the fuck would this be on robin hood if course, it's not the, legit of course roblox is also on robin hood yeah it's also on robin hood roblox yeah the game company oh uh, okay but that's more of a star bar. This is not I don't like even think, I don't even think like Square Enix is on the fucking. But I'm talking about like cryptocurrency. Yo, and I know you're talking about. I'm just saying that. And that's why I thought I like took Dogecoin because like it's on Robinhood, which mm-hmm. Robinhood isn't the best app because like they do sketchy shit. But I'm not yeah. like trying to do revolutionary stuff. Yeah. Friggin' like I'm sure there's gonna be moments where like in hordes people are gonna try to sell and like Robinhood's gonna prevent you from selling or buying or whatever. Oh, yeah, that's what they do with GameStop. Yeah, and especially after the GameStop thing, they're 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 more cautious about that than ever. I guarantee you, they got programs in place by now, working round the clock to moderate that stuff, so that the people don't pull ahead of the of the machine. God, I sound cringy. Yeah, so bring it, whatever. So people say shit like I just said, and they say completely serious. And friggin' yeah, Robinhood's kind of like maybe sketch on that, but it's still like a super duper easy platform to use to buy and trade. Oh no, it is, it is. And like that's why I use it, and that's why like Dogecoin is like was like the cheapest fucking altcoin. Yeah, because there isn't much friggin' crypto. Still is the cheapest. There isn't really much like other cryptocurrencies on friggin' Robinhood. Friggin' it's there's like like six others. It's like Dogecoin and Litecoin are the altcoins, mm-hmm. and then it's basically the Bitcoin-like network and Ethereum network. Yeah, which Ethereum is blowing the fuck up. Ethereum's that, that that's like, dude, bullshit. beginning of the year was like a thousand or like fifteen hundred. Mm-hmm. It's I now saw like thirty-five hundred. I'm just like, holy, holy fuck. fuck, dude! How the fuck did it get there? Oh fuck! That's insane. Newton, Litecoin like fucking doubled in price too. Like over the year, I'm like, dude, I wasn't like suspecting shit to double that hard. Yeah, I didn't either. know if Litecoin was even gonna like get there, but I was like, fuck. 
That's insane. But I guess people are getting more accessible to like freaking crypto, like freaking trading. So yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what happens in the next few years to see how Wall Street tries to deal with that or something. I don't know. I think like the S freaking like the SP like 500 peeps or something are now trying to create an ETF portfolio for trading cryptocurrencies. Oh, yeah. I heard about that on a subreddit. Yeah. Or something like that, too. But freaking other than that, other than being Aussie, like at last episode, like what the fuck am I supposed to talk to a twenty year old, twenty one year old lady about the fucking the stock, stock market. market? Granted, we're mid twenties, but like stock market's an interesting thing to talk about. It's basically one of those days where it's like honestly, investing can help make you money. So yeah, it's really and st- like at this point, since due to Reddit and freaking TikTok information mm-hmm. and like the everything, it's pretty accessible to find information and like go research your yeah. shit to like. Try to like buy stuff. You know, this conversation is funny. Or just put your money into something and try to make some money. You know, this conversation is funny to me is because I remember uh, we I had gotten back from a trip. I went with you and some of the guys and mom was asking me questions about, it. you know, she's like, oh, how was the trip? I'm like, eh, you know, it was good. Car rides always fun. She's like, what do you guys talk about sometimes? And I told my I looked my mom in the eye and I said, honestly, if we're not just chilling, listen to music, I'm not even kidding. We're talking about like insurance and stocks and like. And just like money and just either if not real life shit, then just money shit. Just like we were having like boring old man conversations. She's like, no, you guys are probably talking about this and that or making fun of Dylan. I'm like, well, we do that, too. But like, yeah. no, we're just we're just ta- we're talking about tax returns and deductibles and shit. And it's, yes. She's like, but you guys are in your 20s. I'm like, hey, I'm as surprised as you. I want fucking money. It's like when I'm at work and it's like, you know, you're making California small talk is with, fucking expensive. It's like when I'm at customer uh, talking to customers at work and I'm making small talk while I'm checking them out and you know I'll just bring up the weather and you know that's one of those cliche things it's like who talks about the weather but it's like Bro, sometimes it's just, I don't I don't know how to explain it. It's just like, yeah, fuck bro, yeah, I we're fuck, talking about the weather. No, bro, the I fuck it, no, I surf, so I forget pay attention to weather and you shit. Know? Yeah, I live The I weather live in matters to me. So. Like a nice, hot, sunny day with no wind oh, usually means like the surf's mm. pretty chilling. Yeah. But you know what brings awesome surf too? A freaking very like foggy morning where you yes. can't see shit. But like there's no wind, so it doesn't yeah, fuck yeah. with the waves. Oh man, it's brutal because the water's extra cold, but I'll oh, do the Oh the, no, the water's been are, like really cold. I'm waiting for summer to happen where it like becomes like eight degrees warmer. It's warmer already. It's not no, like it's full fucking summer, cold. No, well, outside is outside, warm. Yeah, but the yeah. water is still like fifty two to fifty four degrees, like freaking cold. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's a bitch to swim in. See what it. I mean? This is proof of what I'm talking about. It's like fuck the the weather's interesting. <laughs> That boring shit's interesting. No, that quote well, unquote we- boring shit's interesting. The weather affects my life personally. Yeah, man. Now, my life personally, I've been doing fucking moving all this week and stuff. So I've been yeah. kind of bitchy on that. One, moving and I just hate moving in general because moving just sucks. Yeah, you've had to do it more than any of us. Yes, freaking like moving to the new rehearsal space is one thing because we've got to move everything and then like set it up to be nice and I got to plan out all that shit. But I've been fucking dealing with moving at my pad and stuff. Yeah. Because yeah, freaking yeah. like my I was living with land my landlords, but my landlords bought a house. So they moved out and the people that they bought the house, for, f- bought their house from yeah. freaking like is moving in as like a temporary spot or who knows how long no hang out there. And as Edward's trying to grab a water bottle and Dude, that make plastic sure he was fucking rough. Yeah. And he doesn't r- like yank down my freaking rig. I have stubby arms. man. Yes. And this is an expensive rig. I I, I was trying my best. Leave me alone. Yeah, I'm just, I'm trying my best not to like freaking have you like crash this because I'm about to say, I was like, hey, bro, you want to give me some of your Dogecoin to pay off my rig? No, I already had to. 
I already had to pay to fix your fucking laptop once because I made a I made a boo boo. Yeah, let's not do that. That sucks, yeah, man. But yeah, no. Continue about the fucking moving. And it was stuff. an entire paycheck. Oh yeah, <laughs> that does sound like it fucking blows. But now back to my fucking moving because yeah, moving so, sucks. Well, yeah. I'm dealing with moving because like freaking all like my like landlord peeps. Because one day I showed up and like my landlord peeps are gone and like the new people are in and out. But they only got barely their little like a little bit of stuff there. Mostly just like a bed and stuff to crash out for the evening. But I'm sitting there like, okay, I'm gonna check to see what's kind of left. And holy motherfuck! Supposedly the fucking movers and cleaners took out all my fucking dry food. What? And then took away all my fucking toiletries. I had no soaps to wash myself or fucking just dry food hanging what do you out. You mean they took it out? They fucking thought it was the other the fucking landlord shit. But freaking oh fuck. Yeah, but there was no real way. They fucking just jacked all my fucking shit. And stuff, which then I brought it up. Good thing I was able to get all my dry foods back because yeah. I like freaking got like a bunch of stuff for freaking powder, like freaking powder nutrition shakes for my work days and stuff. And like that shit's not fucking cheap. No, it's not. That fucking gets up to a hundred dollars. Like, yeah, that shit lasts for a fucking month, and that's like thirty days or more of, free, of like breakfasts. It's yeah, just yeah. like whatever freaking liquid I use. But it sucks but to that drop fucking, that. Yeah, but yeah. then I had to go fucking buy a new toiletries and shit too because like the landlords are still like trying to figure out their stuff. It's like, dude, I need a fucking shower. But they did send me 150 bucks. They Venmo me that shit. So freaking like I got some fucking cash, but yeah, but freaking deal with that. And then the fucking new peeps that I'm living with, they're trying. They're they're trying to be really really friendly with me. Oh no! Which sounds like oh, why are you being mad about them being real friendly? It's like, dude, <laughs> living with fr- like people that came off friendly. Like this, these are just red flags to me. If they're sitting there like starting off going like, hey, they literally tell me that because every time I walk out of my room after just chilling, they just want to have like a friggin' face to face conversation. I'm just like. Bro, just get your That's shit. To, I, get your shit together, because it's a fucking like rat's nest right now. And I know you guys need to put your shit everywhere, but it's like it's a fucking mess right now. But it's like you know, I'm just being kind, or whatever. Yeah. And they're doing the shit. It's like, oh yeah, don't worry. It's like our food. It's like basically, don't even worry about. It. It's like all food we share with each other and stuff too. And they're telling me it's like, oh, I'm gonna cook you meals and stuff. I'm just like. Bro, these are coming up red flags. Oh man! Like I'm sure they're nice people and stuff too. Or like, I'm sure, I mean, but it's I'm like, not, they're like, yeah. obviously they're trying to be really engaging and stuff. And then freaking like, but then I'm also like chilling in my room and I hear like they get, have a little tiff because one that freaking like the wife and like husband have a little tiff because mm-hmm. they're moving. But freaking, I'm just like, sit, I'm just like sitting there hearing something just like, I just thought I just heard freaking like, oh, you call me a bitch. Oh, you think I'm a bitch? And I'm just like, dude, oh, holy fuck. fuck. This is, I hope this is either fucking moving vibes or this is just freaking like. Hopefully it's just the moving stress or I'm just dealing with another fucking wacko. Wait, did you tell me about this already? About what? Because what you said right there, they had a tiff and it's like, oh, you, you think I'm a bitch, think I'm a bitch. Did you tell me about that already? No, this happened today. I didn't see you. T- Bro, not I just no. had some fucking gnarly deja vu shit. I'm not even fucking with you. Oh no! I I'm, swear this is. This, I'm just dealing with some people, and I've been hearing constant fucking '80s butt human. rock being blasted throughout the fucking house. <laughs> Dude, funny you mentioned that. Do you want to know what CD we just got in Barnes and Nobles yesterday? Fucking two copies of the first Firehouse record. What? 
What? Yeah, we got the new Black Keys. We got a Santana record. We got System of Down's Toxicity. We got some more Firehouse. We got the first foot. Yeah, two copies of the first fucking Firehouse record. Speaking of your 80s butt rock. Dude, but yeah, I'm just fucking just hearing blasted. Just like it sounds like a fucking Pandora Pandora radio mix. But, you know, I'll be hearing like freaking like Motley Crue or Def Leppard or freaking like. That's awesome. Or Scorpion. Like literally like. Scorpion's Winds of Change comes on, and I'm hearing the person just like not whistling in tune with the song. Yeah, it was like that. Like, dude, they're just having a party in there. Asked me, it's like, oh, hopefully this is too. Like, it's not, but I'm like hearing it in my room. But at the same time, it's like it's not bothering me like too much. But I'm sitting, there, I'm like, dude, they're just fucking like, they're moving. Yeah, who knows once they're all settle in, things will vibe out. The trail. I think they're trying to get give me a good impression. Yeah, yeah. I think the best maybe trying a little too hard though. Yeah. I think anyone that wants to give me a good impression, please don't try. That's why. That's and why it start, always never turn. It never goes out well. That's why I started laughing when I I started. I think laughing we've had that cases you, before where people try to like you know just like peeps to always just try to like they feel weird about me mm-hmm. or stuff. Which I was like, ho- like weird homies that come and start hanging with the, like our friends and stuff. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. it's like they're trying. It's like, oh, why doesn't James like me and stuff? I think it's like when you try too hard to mm-hmm. like throw an impression towards me, it goes negative that's why i started laughing i don't want to like vibe with that because because when you said uh when you said uh when you said and they're like trying to be nice to me that's why i started laughing just because i know you and stuff and i'm just like oh man i'm sure it might sound weird to other people but no it's just like you said you know you don't like it when folks try too hard and because because then it also becomes a thing of folks like and i probably don't mean it but then it becomes a thing of like folks invading personal space too or like certain like social boundaries and stuff because like it's not that you want to be left alone but it's like hey you know I'm doing my own thing. The, yeah. We're roommates, you know, but, you know, let's be be civil. Maybe we can be chill, but we don't have to be like, you know, buddy, buddy going off on like adventures or something. Yeah, yeah. It's like I dog. They're like trying to do that. Like first thing cooking you I'm cooking you meals. It's like, yeah, they're going to cook me meals and stuff. It's like, cool, bro. I just know for sure. I'm like freaking stepping out of the house and stuff. And like, freaking, oh, James, you're leaving. It's like, yeah. And it's like, what are you working? I'm like, no, meeting up your band friends or something. Yeah, whatever. I'm just sitting, oh man! I'm just sitting there. It's like, dude. It's like I, I don't know if they have the vibes. Like, oh yeah, he's gonna come home. We're gonna have like food for him. It's like, dude, I'm not gonna come home till like ten o'clock this evening. I just know it. Oh, <laughs> and man. they're gonna be already crashed out. You think that's gonna be a thing where like they see you in the morning and then they're just like, and they're just like, oh James, when did you get home? Oh like ten. It's like, oh, oh, we were waiting for you. You Should have let us know. <laughs> You're gonna be out not. so late. I just. Have that vibe. Yeah, no. These people are trying to be really nice. And so far, like, these, like, good impressions and stuff are really doing well. I just want them to fucking put away all their fucking shit, get settled in, and then freaking we can figure out where I can freaking, like, cook and stuff, where pots and pans are. I'm just waiting for this fucking chaos and moving to just be fucking over with. But I do have my own bathroom to myself, so freaking that's Oh, dope. that's tight. Yeah. And freaking, like, their animals seem cool for the most part. What are the animals? They got like three kitties and a chilling small dog and oh, stuff. Fuck yeah. I haven't really seen much of the kitties because I think they're fucking moving in. Yeah. So yeah, they're yeah. freaking most likely tripping the fuck out. So I don't know. It'll be in moments I see them. Mm-hmm. But the little dog's been a freaking hard chiller. Freaking just walling around. Just freaking coming up. But yeah, no, just moving drama with the fucking new peeps. And I'm just sitting here listening to this. I'm just like, fuck, dude. Can this be over already? Can like life just settle in right now? For once. I think that's the worst about moving. Yeah. It's like getting a new place and then try to get everything set up and settled in. And it's like every once day. Once that's is done, it's fucking chill. Yeah. Like fucking in here. I like I hate a move. It's like, dude, 
when I have to move, it, like I become my own worst enemy. I'm, I'm like, I'm so fucking get pissed off in the worst mood. Like I just want moving to be over and settled. In. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I and then once and then I'm like, I'm chill again. But fuck moving, bro. <laughs> Well, you know what? Um, you know what might um, increase your mood? Uh, we could talk about. Oh no, uh, my mood is better because fucking. I'm well, like, no, no, it is. It is. I was going to transition. Let's talk about something good. In fact, maybe even great. Sometimes let's talk about uh, what we listened to this week. Yeah, because instead of listening to Ice Earth, we took a break. So then the last couple Ice Earth albums is just fucking. We just sprint on down. Mm-hmm. We ain't stop it. Just no. fucking go for it. Get that last little breather and get that third wit, third fifth win, whatever, and just fucking go for it. <laughs> <laughs> we should, and then we just randomly picked your freaking like out like your thing album books yeah yeah thousand one albums to listen to before we die before we die yeah. and then we picked up the prodigy which the I fat of the land yes which the prodigy I've seen a video before of like how like freaking how like British canon was able to freaking like please the metalheads I'm just like what is this so freaking like <laughs> I wouldn't say he pleased the metalheads but rock but rock and punk guys are fans of the prodigy that's well, it's true it's the thing with the prodigy is the thing too is that freaking I, I to, thought because when you see the prodigy and you, I think you see like the freaking figure face Flint Kevin Flint yeah yeah, yeah Kevin Flint freaking like He's got like his double, he's got his like freaking double horn mohawk thing. Yeah. He's got the piercings and eyeliner. I thought this was some like 80s fucking like street punk or something. It's, I forgot to bring the book in because I wanted to like flip through it for some. Well, we can always things. pause and you can grab it. Well, uh, do you want to? Uh, well, let's continue on talking yeah. about it. I was just because there's a thing in there where, where Kevin Flint was saying how like uh, people associated them with punk and they were just like. Well, like image wise, it's like image first, wise, yeah, yeah. When you first see the guy, it's like, oh, is this gonna be somebody? Like, oh, it's only dead punks. Hey, my name is Puke. You want some <laughs> beer? Got some spit in. Like, I thought it was just gonna be some fucking sloppy, shitty, like good punk or something. But then when you listen to it, it's like, what the fuck is this? Yeah, you listen to it. I I knew what the prodigy was because the song on here, uh, "Breathe," the second song. I for I seen the name float around before, um, and I'm a big fan of of, of mashups, and so uh, and I'd seen a couple with them, like so not I, listen to them, but I'm like, eh, I don't know this. But then I heard a Metallica one by this one a mashup guy I really like. I can't remember his name. I'll look him up here, but it was Breathe mixed with Seek and Destroy. And that's the first time I heard that song. So that song was, and I never really looked into him more. Um, but I was like, oh, that song's cool. And then this happened. I'm like, oh, okay. Well, when I was looking it up, I was like, okay, this band doesn't look like a fucking shitty street punk band. For stars, <laughs> this is 90s. So like, well, am I going to get stuff that sounds like Snot or something? Some weird new metal band? Snot's fucking And then the weird. first song comes on. It's like, smack your bitch up. And I'm like, I know this song. <laughs> what the fuck? Smack my bitch up. Yo, smack my bitch up. And I'm like. Change my pitch up. I'm like, I thought I was getting some fucking like drunk punk. I didn't know I was getting dance music. What the fuck? Here it is. Wax audio. Uh, Breathe and Destroy, uh, Prodigy and Metallica. This is one of the uh, he's one he's one of the best uh, mashup channels there is. He doesn't really do too much anymore. Um, he does once in a while, but yeah, he's he's got some of the most legendary mashups that have ever like been made, and that that was the first like his most popular one is Staying Alive in the Wall. It's Pink Floyd's The Wall mixed with the Bee Gees uh, Staying Alive. And just or sad but superstitious, sad but true with superstitious. Yeah, he's he's great. His his first acclaim to fame was a long ass time ago. He mashed up um, the final countdown with "Smells Like Teen Spirit." I showed that to my mom and she cringed because she likes Nirvana and 
doesn't like Europe. <laughs> she heard that opening keyboard and she was like, Europe, what the hell is this? Is they, like Europe's Final Countdown's a great song. It's all right. Yeah. But the rest of Europe blows. That's what I told mom. And she was like, well, yeah, what was he expecting? I don't know what I was suspecting. Maybe Were you a cool expecting, band. No, that if you want to if you want to listen to a cool band named after a country slash continent, bro, Asia. That first album they did, oh, ooh, it's great. Maybe I should check that out. You should. Okay, so yeah. Um, so break this, us to, this, what's this, the Edward breakdown of Prodigy's Fat of the so Land? So this uh, this album has a lot of really cool things going to it. You got drum and bass things. There's great production. You've got break beat influences you've got the blueprints for dubstep and there's a little bit of industrial in there uh yeah first track smack my bitch up yo when i i literally heard this i was I like i love that dude that fuck is that like i was like dude i did like everything the prodigy image you got it's like dude the fucking name yeah and like the and like flint's look or at least what you know it's like i thought this was gonna be a fucking street punk band yeah, yeah, yeah. or something and i listened to this like Okay, what the fuck's going on? Oh, man. I was I, like, I heard it smack my bitch up, and I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah, what was your first reaction when you heard this song? I, you, well, did, I've listened, I've heard this song before through 90s dance, like through 90s electronic hits, oh, like playlists yeah. and stuff. Like, this isn't a song I haven't heard before, but like, friggin', you remember hearing the words, smack my, my bitch, bitch up. up. And I'm just like, all right, cool. And it's like, I did not put like the name, the prodigy, Flint's face. And then this song together. I'm like, yeah. these seems like some contradictions going on at first. I'm like, I didn't get to see the music video, but I heard the music video for this won a, a music award. But apparently there was like a lot of nudity, a lot of drugs. And I guess you could, I, and by, and I'm by forward thinking logic. I assume that means there was also a lot of sex, but yeah, there was sex. But yeah, there was nudity. They weren't and ready drugs for sex on TV. Uh, but yeah, um, this, this song, this this band is a great showcase of like how electronic music was in the late '90s. I'm also a big fan of like, like uh, Crystal Method, so I vibed with this like right away. This is this was great. Um, it was kind of funky. You hear like wah pedal shit on the guitar. You had la- a lady vocalizing in the background. Bass hits hard. Drum sounds out of this world. There's like phasers and wobble wobble wobbles and wubs. It's sick. <laughs> You're just breaking out everything. The second song, this is Breathe. Like I said, I no, heard this is like the best up. song. I feel like this is the best song on the whole. Like it's record. really good. Like, this song is stuck in my head. It's so brutal. Like bom, 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 bom. no, it's like oh fuck. oh fuck. I don't want to butcher it. We're gonna sound horrible. <laughs> you know, yeah. Whatever. It's got a great fucking riff, and it freaking gets stuck in your head. And then freaking the words is like breathe with me. And breathe with me. <laughs> Oh, it's so good. Like, it's a great song. Like, this is a great song. But then from here, for me, it kind of just starts like... I was able to stick with the album for no, a No, I can stick bit. with the album, but I'm not going to lie. <laughs> There's a point where it kind of just like... It's kind of like... A lot of these songs kind of go very long. And here's the thing about dance yeah. music. for the, Like, they're supposed to go long because it's raver music. And you're supposed to just get whacked down on ecstasy and just dance your ass off yeah, all yeah, evening yeah, yeah, yeah. and like just let the beat just do its thing but just casually listening like there's a point it's like okay dude it's been like five minutes can we get another song <laughs> um yeah I, I gotta be honest you guys you guys gotta listen to this album with headphones uh there's so many layers and just w- neat things going on in like each ear it's 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 great each ear. I've, heard, I've heard i've heard tales of people that like mosh at electronic shows I, 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 I could get down and mosh to the Prodigy, probably. Maybe. 
Um, there's a part near the end where like the beat slows down and gets all sinister. Are we on breathe? Yeah, we're still on breathe. And it's like just because back with a pop and um, the guitar during the chorus had like a nine inch nails kind of tuning. Like it just sounded just so the song is so 90s. I love it. This whole album's really, really 90s. Tra- yeah. Track three is a slower hip hop sounding song called Diesel Power. This features a rapper named uh, Cool Keith. This dude was awesome. I never heard of him before. He's still rapping to this day. I never heard him before, though. And um, Bro, do you he's know got how a rap- good flow and Bro, character. Bro, do you know how many rappers are out here in the world? Oh. Uh, it's all right to not know all like the rappers. 12. Yes. <laughs> no, there's a fuck ton. There's a fuck ton. Half, most of them are here. Most of them are in New York. And the rest of them are, I don't know, white boys in the Midwest. Or, you know, just worldwide. Worldwide, yeah. It's just worldwide. Just worldwide. It's yeah, always trippy. Rap that's, only exists in the United, United States. States. That is yeah. Edward's opinion on rap that's music. That's not my and, opinion. Raps, rap, Get out of here. Rap and hip hop only exists in the United States I, alone. I literally did say that. It's either Los Angeles, New York, or maybe some I cringy people the, in Kansas oh, City. Oh my God, fuck off. I was thinking more Wisconsin, but oh fuck. So, um, well, you've been to Wisconsin. Was there a lot of cringy peeps trying to like be like? Well, I did. I don't know if I. I don't know if I. Not real. Well, (laughs) okay. So there's this one dude who uh, who was friends with the guy whose wedding I went to. He's one of my good friends. This other dude's name's Frank E. Uh, He was a wrestling fan, so I used to call him Frank E. Dangerously. I don't know if he ever got that reference, but he. Hopefully he does. Yeah. Hopefully he did. I mean, but he had a he had a podcast. This is the podcast I told you about a long time ago. I tried to get uh, treason on, and then I wanted to see if I could get wizard on and and stuff. But and shit happened with him. Whatever. So Life. he had on um, this one rapper dude one point, and he just looked like I know he didn't mean to, but Frankie just looked like such a white guy in front of this dude because he was talking to the guy. He's like, oh, yeah, you know, I love rap. Uh, you know, uh, some of my favorite records are, uh, you know, Straight out of Compton and Enter the 36 Chambers. And then the guy's just like, oh, wow, yeah. I'm just like, oh, oh cool. my God. I'm just like, oh, my God. Actually, you know, it's a fucking quick side off hilarious story. <laughs> yeah. Because when I was like coordinating with the other guy, we're moving into the space last night. We're kind of talking. Yeah, no, friggin' Jay Frost. Yeah. And we got a dude that's like tracking with like the studio at the studio here. And friggin' like the guy, like, or at least he was a homie of someone that's like doing like a rap or trying like his, he's a homie of these rappers tracking and stuff. Yeah. Comes to use the bathroom, kind of says hi. I think we were like saying like, we we're talking about something and friggin' like he asked what we did and stuff. And I told him we like jam drums and it's like, what type of tunes? Like, I always first thing say it's like, it's punk. I like just jam punk. Yeah. But then from there on, if you want to get nerdy, it's like I could break down one's a death metal band and then one's like crust punk, like stenchcore influence ish band, but also kind of grindcore. That that one's fucking kind of fuckery. And then there's just a D-beat band. I can't believe you expect people to know what stenchcore is. Yeah, yeah. But friggin' like, yeah, but they ask me and it's like, it's punk, but then I could break it down to the nerd terms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then like the guy's like, oh yeah, dude, I like fuck with death metal when I'm like lifting weights. Yeah, I listen to Pantera. <laughs> dude, I almost started fucking laughing in his face. I had I had to take a second and just bite my cheeks. I couldn't. I was about to start laughing. Oh, 
my god, dude! Oh god, that was great, dude! I almost fucking started like howling too. Freaking, he just sits there and like, "Yeah, fool!" I like listen to Pantera, and I'm just like, because I like talking about death metal. I was like, "Yeah, I listen to some death metal too." I listen, to, listen Pantera. to Pantera. It's like, oh yeah, I fuck with death metal when I lift weights. I listen. To Pantera. I just almost started ah! howling. Oh god! I had oh. to like bite my lips, and I just like look at Jay Frost, and I'm like almost <laughs> just went and like howl, and I'm like, oh fuck, you can make this up, but but then guys like, oh I don't think that is like death balls, like yeah, you'd be just jumping in nerd territory, don't even trip on it, bro. Oh, I have tears in my eyes, dude. I uh, fuck. I almost wanted to like t- talk to Jay Frost, I'm just sitting there, it's like, yeah, bro, I fucking I lift weights to death, more, bro. I listen to Pantera. Oh my fucking god. Oh, dude, don't worry. I was gonna. <laughs> That's great. Oh, yeah, we've got away from the prodigy. I'm sorry. Get back to the freaking rapper. Yeah. So this rapper, yeah, he's got a great flow and a lot of character. I looked him up a bit. He's a little weird. He claims he invented horrorcore and he doesn't feel human anymore. From like a interview. Hey, when uh, he's hanging out with the prodigy and doing ecstasy all day, I think you eventually start like getting to that new level of train of thought. Um, but yeah, I, I like the song. It was cool. Track four was called Funky Shit. And I, my first thought was that title is. Keep going. That title is wrong. This song isn't really that funky and it's not shit, but it's pretty good. It's th- this this song uh, didn't immediately grab me like the other ones. I wouldn't say it like bored me, but, you know, because like that first song is really cool and then breathe happens and then the rap song. And then this one just kind of was just there for me. Yeah, um, I love the drop. I love the drop sample they had. Oh, my God, that's the funky shit. That was cool. Well, you know, the drop sample is great. Um, track five is called Serial Thrilla, which this song brought me back. I really like this one. Um, I, I, I like Prodigy's incorporation of, uh, they use just like some straight like noise too. I like it. It makes them sound kind of raw and dirty. I made the Crystal Method comparison earlier, but like Crystal Method, I mean, they kind of had that too, but they were more like, they're both like dance bands, but Crystal Method was more about like that bass and rhythm. And again, Prodigy has that too, but they're more like about percussion, you know, and like hooks and shit. But yeah, this song uh, has a lot of cool shit. I wish I knew how to describe electronic music better, but uh, no, it's good. There was no good way. And here's the thing. A lot of these songs were usually built off one good hook, but that hook would just be on for like five minutes straight. It's like, exactly. I like, I need a little variety to kind of like spice things up. Track six is called Minefield. This one's slower. I like the way it started because it sounded kind of sinister. You got some synths in this one stringed instrument. I can remember the name of builds up to like the drum and bass and it kicks in and it felt good. This song, the only way I can describe this song is like, any of you all ever play Need for Speed? This sounds like the kind of song that would play as you're traveling the world map or like tuning up the car in the garage. Cool. That, uh, yeah, I liked it. Track seven is Narayan, I think it's, or Narayan, I pronounced. This was a nine minute epic. Um, I think maybe this song killed me. This, this, the opening sounds like a fucking Final Fantasy villain descending from the sky with like pianos and keys and shit. Then, you know, the beat comes on. You just want to shake it. It had good vocals. How do you, I wanted to ask, how do you think this nine minute epic stacked up with an Iced Earth nine minute epic? I kind of forgot. I kind of listened to the album really early in the week and his oh, thing, okay. it kind of ran to all together and stuff. I get you. I liked it though. Uh, halfway, the weird thing was, See, I'm the not funny like thing you was, going really specific and in like these songs and stuff. Halfway through the record though, then the song just like turns into the Lion King. 
Was there a weird one? I think there's a one song yeah, that like does halfway like halfway through is you start getting all these like uh, tribal, not tribal, but just all these like chants and stuff. It sounds cool. I think I might remember that. Yeah, yeah, that was this song. And then yeah, song eight is called Firestarter. Yeah, this is this another is a song where like it was doing this weird epic stuff, but then it goes into Firestarter. Yeah, which I is one of the more famous kinda, songs. Like, yeah, I think the song I kind of put Prodigy in. Mm-hmm. On the map, or at least they had the it was video. One of them. Yeah, this was the video where they had their friggin' main figure face, Flint, with like his friggin' iconic look. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that like people were like, dude, what the fuck is this? This looks sketch because it's all black and white, and you yeah. just got this like dude with the friggin' side mohawks, just friggin' just going hard in this random dusty. Old I like that side. Mo- I like that side mohawk look. It looks cool. Yeah, the friggin' devil horn mohawk yeah, thing dude. he was going for. Uh, but yeah, this song. Um, the song like actually kind of is like structured like an actual song. It's like verses and shit. Um, it has a lot going on. You know, I like the guitars that are always like constantly just going at it in the background. Um, and um, man, you know, the <clears throat> the beats and samples they come up with are good. I don't know why, but I, uh, I kind of got this vibe. It just the, the song like some of these songs, maybe it's just because it came out in the 90s. Some of these songs, I'm just like, man, these sound like some of the kind of songs you could like in like a platformer game like uh, like this song kind of reminded me of like getting like the death like one of the death roots from like a crash bandicoot game where you know the music speeds up and stuff it just gave me those vibes song nine is called climb climb baptized or climbatized i don't know how you say climbatized whatever I just know it starts off with this hella 80s sounding synth. And my first thought was, fuck, did I queue up typo negative by accident? But then, yeah, then they chop up this like electronic sample. Wait, you mean like the 60s organ tone? Yeah. I don't know why you went I just 80s. Think, I just, well, I, no, no, no. It sounded like 80s synth. That's what it sounded like to my Why did you say like typo negative? Because that's like well, 60s because, uh, like organ. Well, yeah, but that was for some songs. They went pretty 80s on some of them. Christian Woman's got some 80s going on. Christian. When will you come again? I have too much sex. I love how that fucking song starts. Burning between a thighs. <laughs> love typo yeah i don't want to go on typo negative. let's finish the prodigy uh, and then, hopefully yeah. we don't start ranting on typo negative where that literally was a band where he wrote songs to get laid and it worked it worked it worked so good it worked too good it worked too fucking good and then, yeah songs 10's last uh called feel my fire uh this was a baller song i really liked it structure like a mid-paced hard rock song but it's you know Dominant, it's do, it's dominantly electronic. It's energetic and frantic. Uh, yeah, it was a good, it was a good song to end the record on. Um, yeah, I thought this, uh, I thought this album was really good. Um, I felt it was like it fun. was fun. It was pretty tittylicious. I felt like it was fresh to listen to. Friggin' like, it was definitely I, fresh. Because I didn't find like I don't find myself like finding listening to that kind of stuff too, too, too often. I think it's the kind of thing I could like throw in a playlist and then like if a song came on and be like, oh fuck yeah, you know, oh fuck yeah. Like literally, it's like the main hits are like super memorable and stuff yeah, yeah. And here's the thing maybe the prodigy were like above their peers because here's the thing a lot of like the sound we could just be like whatevs but who knows like what's like who their peers were and if mm-hmm. it was either there's bands bet there's either projects better or maybe a lot worse than them i'm trying to remember like i'm trying to remember who they're if i read like read up on like who their peers were they didn't really like it's hard to you gotta have to go they were just research. part of that british rave scene yeah you know? they're part of the british rave scene like the main man flint which you think be the singer but he's literally just a hype dancer bro yeah that's, that's what it says on wikipedia he said vocals dancing 
Yes. He literally just sitting there be the hype dancer and yell at people. It's like, oh, you fucking cunts. Get the fuck up and dance. It worked. And the guy, <laughs> and then like the main guy's just playing on his fucking synth and freaking like yeah, yeah, yeah. his freaking drum machine and stuff too. What's the Prodigy is like named after his freaking Moog Prodigy synthesizer. Oh. That's where the name comes from. That's cool. Yeah. Freaking, I do enjoy this and freaking, yeah, I think it seems like cooler than freaking like, Oh no, maybe I just like the vibe of hearing like proper an actual drum machine and like real mm. synthesizer. Oh, this compared was a drum to, like, machine. Then compared to like hearing like modern day where you, everything's just in box and the DAW and stuff too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like there's a little trying bit, too hard to I sound I feel like real. there's more. I feel like there's more like an actual lifeness to it than people these days because in a DAW you have MIDI and you can just line up everything cool. There's more uh, more character in it too. I feel like yeah, just more character and you actually more physically play along. Maybe that's why I like this. Everyone like- always bothers me. It's like James, why don't you like to listen? a lot of electronic music why don't you do it it's like i don't know if i want to do it in a DAW or actually just like get actual like just an actual just one all in one synthesizer with a bunch of f- features and maybe a drum machine to play with it too yeah, that's how uh fucking you know that's how uh that's how prince Reznor and uh peter Steele did it oh peter Steele. peter as the, i feel like a lot of those older equipments there's still like a little bit more of a proper human element playing along I with it. I wish I could track down some of those old pieces of equipment. No, dude. you can find those equipment. No, I know. I know. They're just fucking expensive. Let me rephrase. Let me rephrase. I wish I could find them at affordable prices. Moog, dude, Moog synthesizers are fucking expensive. Yeah, Actually, all-in-one in-house synthesizer is pretty fucking pricey. Like, yeah, uh, you get an in-house synthesizer with a prop... Where at the keys where you can actually play the friggin' like actual get play like friggin' like drum pieces too if you want mm-hmm. to. But I feel like getting a proper like drum machine where you can like friggin' level up the hi-hat and down to drop the hi-hat and like everything. Yeah, yeah. I feel like that'd be sick. And then friggin' you playing along. Also is sick too, because friggin' like friggin' my bass player in my death metal band, he's got homies where they have a whole fucking like like freaking synthesizer rig where like they got a fucking like Moog thing like Moog synthesizer where they literally got the cables and they like plug it into stuff too to like change around the sound to like set up a bass line and stuff I don't know it's pretty so fu- it's it's a fucking trip it's a trip so if I was to do it I kind of would like to do it more of the proper human element but I don't know I'm not into it I'm still jamming with peeps maybe once like you guys once I'm like stop jamming with peeps maybe I might go down that route maybe who knows but fucking, yeah, you know what? The Prodigy, Fat of the Land, pretty killer. And who knows? Maybe they're the elite of, like, their friggin' scene. Because I, like, hearing about it, I think, like, a lot of people kind of, like, scoffed at them because they kind of, like, pushed the boundaries of their scene. They weren't oh, yeah. just, like, what... They weren't just, like, the dance music because they took influence from rock music and stuff, too. Yeah. Like, Firestarter, the friggin', like, squealing guitars and stuff. He got that influence from friggin' listening to Nirvana and mm-hmm. just making noise on the guitar and stuff. I read somewhere that their earlier albums, uh, like, the... Like the like, there, so there was like I think close to four ish albums before uh, Fat of the Land, and like their first two albums, you know, they were more like straightforward dance music, both like some funny samples, and like people liked it, but the critics were just like, they're nothing special. Then the album before Fat of the Land, they got they got they got super serial and like you know started like started like going like uh, you know a little uh, heavier, more serious stuff. But this album actually, this album had like a had like a budget not a budget but yeah they had a budget and like they were able to get like this is prodigy with like 
full sound production, like almost limitless resources. They've got the money for dope equipment and they just threw everything together to make something that's like serious, but fun, but creepy, but catchy. Yeah. I think, yeah, they're able to like one of the first bands to actually like maybe do dance music, but also use rock like influences and samples. Oh yeah. Cause there's like people that try to like combine rock music and freaking electronic music. These and guys, it's just fucking bad because there's too much of the rock. Yeah. Into electronic where honestly when it comes to doing that, it's better just use a fucking sample mm-hmm. of something and then like layer it down with the like music itself. But freaking. Yeah. Know, yeah. No, that's it was just, good. But yeah, no. Prodigy Fat Land rules. And I guess now we got to go back to Iced Earth. Just a band three that more doesn't rule. Just three more albums, man. All right. Let's get to the main event. We're like 47 minutes in. We're here to talk about freaking Dark Side of the Rings premiere episode on Brian Pillman. Brian Pillman. So, how do I th- how do I describe Brian Pillman? Um, you know what? There's many ways to describe Brian Pillman. Uh, talented before his time, uh, breaking, cutting edge. Uh, what's the word? Groundbreaking, tragic. Died before maybe he really could have went to the next level. Gone too soon. Uh, potential. I think that's a good bad one. craze decisions. Mm-hmm. Loved women, and just. Sad, sad, sad. This is a guy. A lot of kids. Fuck. This is a guy where it's just a great the, raspy voice. Oh, dude, I love, I love his voice. Let's just get into it. Freaking. Yeah. I don't know how you have it started off, but we open up with basically we got Stone Cold Steve Austin telling yeah. us how awesome Pillman was and stuff. Just saying how like yeah. freaking like super talented, athletic. Always thinking on his feet, good like looking, pushing creative. his character and yeah. stuff. And then the intro is ba- honestly this intro is about how like he was one of the first people to really kind of break the fourth wall. That, that's what it's called on YouTube. the The YouTube video is called "How Brian Pillman Broke Wrestling's Fourth Wall." And stuff. And that's like half this video, but it is an interesting center point. Like they're talking about how he <laughs> broke the fourth wall, but then kind of start going into kind of like his hectic life and stuff. Yeah. Like dealing with a like in like a crazy injury and then like his freaking him using a lot of like pain like painkillers and muscle yeah. relaxers and stuff. And, and then it, we see footage of him, you know, uh, as Bri- as Stone Cold's put him over, we see footage so, of him like wrestling, cutting promos. So do you have much specific after we kind of got all the <clears> intro <throat> how Stone Cold was just kind of like Telling more how awesome. Oh yeah, he yeah, is. yeah, no, no. It's like I, I it was like that, Stone Cold, but then it goes to Jr. Cornette telling how hard Pillman went on to into the wrestling. Yeah, thing. guys like Jim Cornette and family members and stuff. They're talking about various things about you know um, <clears throat> about him and stuff. And um, as the video is titled, you know how Brian Pillman shattered the fourth wall. Um, he knew um, they, they they spend a good portion of this first video talking about. Uh, basically how smart he was and how he worked over people because he knew when he was at WCW and this is just a broad overview. They get in the specifics later, but he was in a position where he knew he was going to get screwed and he utilized that to the best of his advantage and use it to further himself and use trade secrets as a bargaining chip to put folks like Ole Anderson and Vince McMahon in uncomfortable negotiating. You mean Eric Bischoff, Eric Bischoff. Sorry. I don't know why you said Ole Anderson. I don't know why I did either. I thought, you know, it was because I thought when he started in the company, Hollywood Blondes time, I, for some reason thought Ole was still in control, but was still there. Like he was, but like when he was doing his like working Bischoff, but that's later. We'll get there. We'll go there in detail. Yeah. Yeah. I know I have a, I have a I I'm not a big fan of Ole Anderson because like don't be wrong like I love Arn Anderson but Ole Anderson was the same guy that thought me Mark Callis was never gonna be a draw so like you know but he became a draw <laughs> anyway so yeah um 
excuse me. So it's mentioned how he has a turbulent relationship with women, how his kids, his mom had just upped and left them. And then this is a quote from Jim Cornette. He's being driven crazy at home. He's supposed to be crazy at work. And in between, he's probably really going crazy. So, oh, and then we, I, yeah, I think it's, I think we're still just them kind of introducing. Just, Dave Meltzer comes on. He oh, says, Uncle Dave. He says he remembered when they announced his death and he just screamed. Now the episode really starts. Yes. Stone Cold shows Wait, did off. Did we also like freaking talk about like we meet his kids too? Um, well, I thought the kids showed up uh, a little later. A sorry. little, yeah, they a little I, later. I'm, I'm just going off like my bullet points, but yeah, go my dude. So then Stone Cold shows a gold chain that Brian Pillman had gave him because he was like, "Hey kid, you know we got to have uh, gold chains. You know they'll look cool and stuff. You know because for their Hollywood blondes gimmick." And Stone Cold says it's one of the few things he actually still has from his past. Uh, he says he doesn't keep a lot of me- a lot of memorabilia from his wrestling career, but that's one of them. And how they were a big part of the Hollywood Blondes identity. Then we see an interview with the fourth version of the Hollywood Blondes. And I need to be, I need to say real quick, fuck, young pretty boy Steve Austin is so jarring. He made a fucking duck face. Yes. He's all smooth skin. His hair is pretty. <laughs> but he's, he's got a five. Chiseled. He's got a five head. He has forehead. a physique. He has a he physique. Does- <laughs> Well, he had a physique when he was stone cold. Yeah, but if you look at him as stone cold, he just he just looks like he's uh, you know, a couple missed days at the gym away from just looking like bald Hank Hill. <laughs> F- but I'll say it, so stunning Steve Austin was a pretty guy. I think he fit his gimmick. He fit his fucking hey, gimmick. Uh, before we continue on, quick question, homie. Yeah. What are you doing after this? After the podcast. Going home. Oh. Why? You wanna be bored and jam wizard? I think I got Dylan creeping by. If you want to. If you I want thought you guys were jamming death metal. Yeah, well, it's now only me and Dylan. Oh. If you don't want to, it's eh, all good. Maybe, maybe. We'll see. Um, or just get, if you want to say what's up. You have the, I sort of have to be home early-ish because of plans with Mother's Day tomorrow. Hey, you know what? It's all tight, homie. Sorry, listeners. A little interruption. Freaking my, you know, my uh, security yeah. wall fire thing. Likes to do its regular <laughs> checks, and sometimes it interrupts our freaking recording sessions. But, you know, Bastard. it's all good. Me and Dylan figured out we'd be chilling if you want to jam or not. Spoiler, Edward's got to go home and see, like, he'll kick it with his mom. Yeah, it's yeah prior plans. is a happen. Sometimes I just, like, not everyone's ready for something to be thrown out their laps and, like, hey, you want to do this? And it's like, yeah. fuck yeah, let's go. Sometimes, like, sorry, prior plans. No go, bro. So where was I? Oh yeah. So yeah, Stone Cold Steve Austin was very pretty. Stone Cold. Well, he, was he was a, he was about our age at this point too. Uh, when he and Brian were first put together as a tag team, they were about he was about twenty eight. Nice. So yeah. <clears throat> uh, da, 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 da. So Jim Ross talks about how his fast flying style. They called him, you know, Flying, flying Brian. Brian. And I got I me. Mean, we I, we have an old, we had an old friend uh, who I would watch older wrestling with sometimes. And um, I remember I felt so stupid. I I didn't a lot of the knowledge I have about older wrestling. I didn't really come around to until like the last four years. And it just kind of became like my favorite thing to learn about when it comes to wrestling. And we we watched a thing of the Hollywood Blondes. And like I was like stunning Steve Austin. And I was like, oh, wait, I knew that, though. Yeah. yeah. But then I saw Flying Brian. I'm like, Flying Brian. He looks at me. He's like, yeah. Brian Pillman. And I was like, what? What do you mean that's Brian Pillman? So. Yeah, that's Brian Pillman. What? His glorious mullet? He looks clean, a baby face? Bro, you want to talk about a fucking mullet? We meet Brian Pillman Jr. He has an amazing mullet. Oh, dude. Like, oh, my God. He didn't have that mullet day one, though. I he remember didn't have it day one. I remember in MLW, his mullet wasn't too good, but here, it's like... 
Oh, it's, it's primo. It's primo. He's got a primo mullet. Brian Pillman Jr. They only show him from like the chest up. I, I, I he has to be wearing a fanny pack. I just I feel it in my you bones. Feel it. I feel it in my bones. He wears a fanny pack. So yeah, I guess we yeah we need Brian Pillman Jr. <sighs> Talks about his dad's passion and his drive. And then we also meet Brian's not Pillman Jr. His sister, but Brian <laughs> Senior. Yes, we meet his older sister Linda. Uh, yeah, really quick before that, Stone Cold mentions how great of a promo Brian Pillman was. And then we get that, we get the, um, the interview where he says, uh, he's talking to someone. He's like, you're not running this interview. I am. Cause I am Brian fucking Pillman. Yep. Ah! Yeah. In ECW. Pillman's sister, Linda. She talks about, uh. He had called like, polyps. He had some vocal issues as a kid where he had something like building up on his throat, and they had to like scrape it off and shit. Yeah, like thirty times, I think. Yeah, and that's where he gets his raspy voice from from his shredded vocal cords. Yeah, but also like friggin' with that like issue of like whatever the fuck was building up on his throat. Friggin', there was like he had to get emergency friggin' like. Tracheotomy. Yeah, get an emergency tracheotomy. And basically, the doctors popped up to his freaking pad and just stabbed the fucking pen tube through his throat. Yeah, that's what happened. Uh, they was Her mom came home. She could hear Brian breathing in the house, uh, called the doctor, and then put the phone to Brian. And then I think, I don't know if I wrote this down. I think what happened was they drove Brian to the doctor's home. Because it was closer than the hospital. Or yes. the doctor went there, yeah. yeah they, and then to, they gave a fucking tracheotomy right there on the fucking table. That's insane. Yeah, but fucking doctors can do whatever. <laughs> hey, <laughs> once you got the knowledge, bro, just fucking go for it. Oh, man, no kidding. Hey, you can so, use floss and stitches. <laughs> that's true. I heard that somewhere. Yes. So, Linda says, in life, you know, that kind of thing never stopped Brian Pillow from doing things Jim Cornette chimes in. He feels like he felt like in a way that made Brian feel kind of like in some ways Brian overcompensated in the sense of he wanted to always excel and uh, always wanting to talk all the time to show that, you know, he can't rasp- talk. Yeah, because he, he went like talk. two months, like not two months, two weeks without talking. Mm-hmm. Like no word can be said. Yeah. He was a mute for two weeks. And through that has like friggin traumatized him and wanted to talk a lot more. Yes. So then, then we meet a guy named Kim Wood, former NFL. Oh, this guy uh, was awesome. Coach. He was cool. He his first words are, you know, we're NFL's, calling Brian a tough son of a bitch. Yes, he was the strength coach for the Cincinnati Bagels. I don't know why I say Cincinnati. Cincinnati Bagels. Cincinnati. The Bagels. Whatever for the Bengals. The football team, not the band. Yeah, for friggin' basically, he was the strength trainer, and yeah, Brian Pillman at one point was a player for the Bengals. Yeah. Um. He recalls his tenacity and his drive. Apparently, uh, Brian Pillman also was known, like, socially as a street fighter. Linda tells a story During about... During his football years. Linda tells a story about how they don't give any context as to why this happened, but uh, second floor of a bar, you know, second where there's a balcony. Second a bar club, a lady threw a drink at him, and, and then <laughs> her freaking, like, her boy toy tried to freaking tussle with him, th- try to throw a haymaker at him. Yeah. Pillman was able to dodge him, beat the shit out of him, and then, like, throw him over the freaking, like, over the, over the, like, ledge of the balcony and hold him by his legs. I imagine, I hope in my heart of hearts, it looks just like that scene with Commando. Or like Batman. Yeah, both. Or, either or. Either or. <laughs> Basically, the end of the story was Brian was banned from that bar, club, whatever. So after the Bengals, um, he goes to Calgary by... Um, he goes for the Canadian Football League, which yeah. he fucking destroys his ankle. Yes. And he cannot play football anymore. And then uh, Kim tells him, hey, 
uh, he felt he feels like uh, Brian. You got all the tools to try out wrestling. Why don't like, you hey, give it a shot? Hey, you're a hardworking, strong dude. Like you're a small football player, but forget you know what? You look like you try really hard. And you know what? Sometimes what football players do in the off season, they try out this wrestling thing. Say, so, hey, you know what? You're up in Calgary, and then he's Go like, hey, what? hit up these heart guys. Yes. The Hart Family Dungeon. I always forget Brian Pillman was trained in the dungeon. Why do you think it was part of the Hart Foundation? I forgot. I will no, ra- well, no, rather, I forgot he was part of the Hart Family. Bro, why aren't you nerding hard enough, bro? Why don't you know this? Why aren't you being that big of a nerd? Oh, sorry, man. Whatever. So he goes so to they the talk. Frig- yeah, they talk about the dungeon. Uh, he, he, they, uh, they, yeah. Then people talk about how much hell the dungeon is. And then I wrote here how I remember Chris Jericho in his first book said how much the dungeon sucks. Oh, by the way, Chris Jericho's narrating this documentary. Yeah, he narrated the second season. Yeah, good for him. Hey, he's not part of WWE. Jericho do whatever (laughs) the fuck he wants. Um, I remember Jericho in his first book said that the dungeon, he didn't say it just like this, but he felt like the dungeon was kind of a ripoff because it's really expensive. And shoe, shoe heart, stew heart. Showed yeah, up. It's still high. <laughs> Stu Hart showed up exactly once, put guys in holds, and then never. And then once he left, they never saw him again. But the Hart family being dicks doesn't exactly sound unrealistic. So whatever. Basically, they tell us the philosophy of Stu Hart. Uh, Eighty-year-old, very wide Stu Hart would come in. Put dudes in catch wrestling holds for tor- like hours. They tortured them for hours, and if they didn't quit. Then he feels like they can make it in the wildlife of the wrestling business. I mean, that's a and fair idea. And then he would most idea. likely like make one of the younger hearts teach him how to wrestle. And then yeah. like get them like wrestling in his own little promotion for Stampede Wrestling. Yeah, they actually talk about Stampede Wrestling for a bit. Um, well, I guess that's where Brian started out. Yeah. And then um, Jim Cornette mentions how back then, you know, um, you know, when there was fans, there was a subsect of smart fans, which has nothing to do with intelligence, but they were smart to the inner workings of wrestling. Yeah. Fans that were aware <clears throat> that, oh, hey, wrestling's fake mm-hmm. and like it's a work, but the law of the business and the work stuff, people were really interested in about. So the, then we meet the man, Dave Melter. Can I say two things Uncle real quick? Dave. First thing, Melter is jacked. With a fly ass gold chain, gold he's chain. looking fresh. And uh, friggin' Bruiser Brody, friggin' <laughs> Bruiser Brody with Japanese writing on it, like sick Bruiser Brody T-shirt. No, the best is where they show like a shot of him on his computer in yeah. his office. And the funniest <laughs> thing is, his whole floor is just filled with papers. Yeah, I was just saying. Second thing, his room looks like a hazard zone. It's so I didn't want to call it messy because I'm sure it's an organized mess. I'm sure he knows his way around. But yeah, fucking. Files on stacks on stacks, boxes and cabinet ca- cabbies and drawers and shit. I'm like, what the fuck? Also, he has a nice house, but I'm like, what the fuck, Dave? Yeah, dude, Mel- Meltzer's house is a fucking meme. Well, yeah. Meltzer's office is a meme. Go go in. It's like, dude, holy fuck. fuck. It's just. I think he up has one copy of every Observer he ever wrote. Yeah, no, it's funny too because freaking like Brian Alvarez, who freaking like hosts hosts the freaking Wrestling Observer Radio stuff yeah. with like Meltzer. He says it's hilarious. Because freaking there'll be times where Meltzer, you just hear him get up and you just hear crunch, 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 crunch. <laughs> just him walking around doing his mess and stuff. But yeah, oh no, it's God. hilarious that it's a fucking meme that freaking Meltzer's office is just insanely like cluttered. God, it, it was cool to see Meltzer. Yeah, dude, Uncle um, Dave's the man. I, I you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of Dave. Uh, so yeah. 
So then he's talking about how smart fans got word of Brian Pillman pretty quick because he was making some waves over in Stampede. And uh, basically, Dave traded tapes with Brian Pillman. Yeah, Brian Pillman hit him up, and yeah, they like to trade tapes and stuff. JR had heard of Brian Pillman because of Meltzer's write-ups. Uh, JR said that the idea back then was Meltzer was a pretty good gauge of talent. So, you know, if he was saying good things about you, then, you know, that knew you were someone good. So Brian gets to WCW and Ric Flair, according to the, I'm paraphrasing what they said, but according to the narrative, Ric Flair sees this Brian Pillman guy and he's like, this dude's sick. He's got potential. I want to, I want to work with him. So basically, yeah, JR helps get Pillman into WCW yeah. and then they have like friggin' Pillman wrestle uh Saturday night with like freaking Ric Flair and the match was super awesome and it did well. Drew a very good rating. Because everyone hated Ric Flair so they're like cheering on this athletic babyface Brian Pillman because Flair's just this evil very like platinum blonde villain just freaking <sighs> whipping his ass. That being said, apparently uh, Pillman also partied with Ric Flair and Pillman right was, after. <laughs> and Pillman was a super duper ladies man. They worded it like this. They said something. Like, they said something like Ric Flair was the kind of guy. You know, he saw Brian Pillman. He was just like, oh man, I wanna, I wanna just work with him in the ring. But then after, uh, but then I after that, party I wanna with party him. with him for like six hours at the bar. Party. <laughs> so and then we go go to the show next day. Yeah. And yeah, Pilma's super duper lazy, man. And I I can't say I don't get it. He was a good look. That fucking mullet. Dude, the mullet. Yeah, Pillman was total he ladies. Was nicely man. shaven. Yeah, neat and voice. He's on TV. Yeah. And then like freaking He's buff. They're just showing all the ladies that he's hanging out with. And they're all like total babes. Yeah. Dude, he dated Terry Reynolds. I forgot about that. Yeah. They didn't bring that up. Uh I'm sure, I just thought I'm that'd sure be it's the many, many ladies <laughs> yeah. he's been with. They talk about well, how... They, the only way to pseudo bring it up, because like later on, they're showing him wrestling Goldust, and that was kind of part of like their freaking rivalry. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, that was like hilarious, because freaking Pillman like, was able to win Terry... Like in a stipulation, he won friggin' Marlena or Terry Reynolds away from him. And uh -huh. it was just like a thing where he wasn't showing up for like the King of the Ring tournament because he was getting laid hours and hours. That's what they were showing on TV. I forgot about that. That's great. Oh, don't worry. You'll get there. You're so like listening to 97 podcasts. They talk about, um, oh yeah. So the show I'm at right now for that, by the way, uh, Raw is in South Africa. Oh Yeah. Was the Truth Commission there? <laughs> I think so. Oh, God. I didn't finish the episode yet, but that's where I am right now. Yeah. So now we uh, meet the kid. Uh, they talk about his first wife, Rochelle. Now we meet. Uh, Who is his a total babe. Yes. Now we meet his first, quotation marks, first daughter, Brittany. Uh, talks about how she was a daddy's girl. They were super close and talked about how he was a loving dad. And then she says when she was one years old, Brian found out that he has one more daughter who's a year older. And now we meet. Danielle Pillman, who goes by Danny, which I guess was one of his random hookups in Cincinnati, Cincinnati or whatever. But yeah, so he had a strange daughter. But when he found out, he just brought her straight into the family. Oh, yeah. No uh, problems. Yeah, it was a one night stand. But Brian was a dope ass dad. He was a womanizer, as Brittany admits, and his mother, who had her own demons. Uh, you know, she stayed with him. Then, While he was like on the road and partying with Ric Flair and most likely doing infidelity, well, that's he, the environment, bro. Well, no, it's it's like uh, he's more to go to go to the Brian and Vinny podcast. It's like there, there was a, there was like a two week storyline where Ric Flair was giving Roddy Piper a fucking shitty time. He was guilt tripping him because Roddy Piper was like, "Hey, I want to go after the show's over. I want to go home." 
and I want to be with my family, with my wife. And Ric Flair said something like, you want to go home and be with your wife and your kids? We've all got wives and kids and we never sleep. He was basically calling Roddy Piper a pussy for wanting to be a good man and go home to his family because he was making him feel bad because he wouldn't go out and party with him. It's great. <laughs> oh, her flair. It's great. So, yes. Um, then Rochelle gets attacked by, was it the property manager in their home? It was like the freaking um, groundskeeper. Groundskeeper. He basically ran. He busted through the door with an ice pick. He stabbed the shit out of Rochelle, but Rochelle couple was couple times in the face. Yeah, was able to survive and fucking stole shit, which traumatized Rochelle. I think that traumatized anybody. That would traumatize anyone. I don't need some dude coming in with an ice pick trying to stab at me. And I mean, Rochelle didn't look like she I'm was not a about bi- that basic instinct shit. And Rochelle didn't look like she was a big lady either. So she looked like a small woman. Yeah. So I felt bad for her. Did you, did you remember that picture I sent you of Brian Pillman? Though uh, he was wearing oh, like the fucking uh, total like. I, I, 80s I, dad look. I feel like I need to tell people this man. I have it right here. He's got his glorious mullet. Oh, bright pink shirt that says tear it down. And he's got on these baby blue pants. The baby blue like poofy sweatpants with fucking pink, dark blue and sky blue stars. And what are those shoes? He's got those like pumped up sneaks. Oh, dude, he's got the fucking Nike high tops. The bro. Nike high tops and a black fanny pack. Oh, I would wear it. I sent that picture to you and I was just like, this man was magnificent. Oh, dude, here's the thing about seeing like Brian Pillman throughout this documentary. Great. I would wear everything he's wearing. <laughs> he is like, he had such drip. Dude, his drip. Dude, he is a drip king. Oh, it's great. So yeah. Um. So back with Brian. At this point in the timeline, Brian's chilling at mid level WCW, but he's not the main eventer he wants to be. In come er- Eric Bischoff riding a motorcycle, a big beefy Harley. I'm out I'm, in the land of like his house in Montana. I'm gonna be honest. I didn't recognize him at first. You did not. What? I didn't until until I heard him talk How and they said his name. Him? I didn't recognize him. I didn't recognize him as Eric Bischoff. I wrote here he kind of just looks like a not nerdy Woody Allen. But then you realize Bischoff's showing his age, bro. Like I'm not trying to guilt him for that because that's just time. But like I don't know. I I didn't recognize him. Bro, first. he had he great hair good. in 2006. But it was like short. I, I don't know. Maybe there was just, something. Maybe I don't like, know if his head changed or. I think he leaned out. Maybe. He kind of leaned out a little bit. He stopped practicing karate. <laughs> <laughs> so he says it was a hard. It was, at the time, it was hard for Brian to earn his place because management was in a very turbulent place in WCW, WCW in the early con- 90s. WCW in the early 90s had constant, constant fucking booking changes. Do you remember? Well, no, just changing of guards. Do you remember offhand, like some of the names of those guards that changed? See, there was the WCW with. Because fucking- I don't. Th- I wouldn't say you know, you or I know more or less about no, wrestling no. each other, but you're better at remembering like names and random I'm facts. trying to remember. Remember who was like the dudes in '88 and '89? I'm trying to remember, but I can't off. But then it switched to Jim Hurd, and that was a mess. But then eventually it switched to Turner. To Turner, and right. then like yeah, so there was for sure during Brian Pillman's time in WCW. I'm sure there was like three to four changes in booking. Yeah, and most likely he was like they like they were trying to push him, but then what's the new? Person who came in, they most likely didn't really see much out of him and then kind of pushed him back down the card. Yeah, because like his pushes would start and stop, start and stop, start and stop. He got a big break 
uh, when they paired Crockett. Fl- Those were the motherfuckers. I, was, I, was I thought it was Crockett, but yes, I couldn't remember. It was Crockett's, and then it went into the like the Jim Hurd era, or yeah, there yeah. might have been something between like Crockett's and Didn't Jim. Didn't Dusty Rhodes have a hand in owning, not owning, but like booking the company at that point? Yeah, too? there might have been that too. Yeah. Oh, and Sullivan was there as well. Yes, whatever. So there's Crockett, and then maybe that transition of like Dusty, because I know Dusty for sure was like around like '89. Yeah, because he was like kind of like he was. I know a story of like him booking friggin' Ricky, like friggin' Ricky Steamboat to like do well but lose to like a monster Russian, so then Dusty can get like the friggin' super win in the end and stuff. And he didn't care for it, so he kind of left. No, that was earlier. Yeah, that was earlier. Was that that wasn't an NWA, was it? That might have been earlier. Yeah, that might have been earlier because then I think Steamboat then went from that to eat, then came back and had that like his like his like first half of the year like three epics with like Ric Flair and stuff. Which everyone was discussing, like, oh my god, it's like the best match. I love ever. learning about Dusty Rhodes stories because, like, just I I can never fully comprehend just how much of a dick he was. Just about all the booking, it's like when Brian Bain said on the interview show, sure like, he was it's all about Dusty. It's a, hey, just trying to make sure he was a superstar. But yeah, so when that, so they pair up, flying Brian with Stunning Steve. They talk. Stunning Steve, like, damn, you think this? I wanted to like team up? I was a singles wrestler, just me. Mono and mono with another guy. This and made I'm just like, me, fuck. This made me laugh because this gave me the vibe of like those buddy cop movies where like the older, like grizzled vet cop doesn't want doesn't want a partner because he wants to, he he prefers working alone. Prefers but then alone. but then there comes the young upstart. Yeah. Um he yeah, like you said, he liked working with another guy and only having to depend on himself. Plus, Austin, I think, said he had a couple runs as I think he said. U.S. title at some point. Yeah, I wrote U.S. I I, I, my phone autocorrected to U.S. president. I think so. You might have had a U.S. title. I don't think Stone bit. Cold Steve Austin was U.S. president. Whatever. So basically, these two dudes weren't really going anywhere. So they like teamed them up to kind of be like kind of enhancement team. To, like, yeah, that's help, what like, they said because I'm going to sound like Brian Alvarez right now, but <clears throat> it's like when WWE throws two random dudes together to be a tag team, but with no buildup and no plan. Steve Austin uses the words interim tag team because they were going to put over other people. So they traveled together. They're becoming good friends. Steve mostly drove while Brian would read through the dictionary to, to look like, up new words for promos. To like, And you're just getting stuff. It's like freaking like Pillman interviews. Like, I am going to go through the red bureaucratic tape. They go through the red tape. No, it's bureaucracy. Let's go to the top. I'm just like, what the <laughs> fuck? I loved it. So um, it's really endearing to hear like, Stone Cold talk about Pillman and Pillman would be like, hey, kid, when he's talking to Stone Cold. Because the idea of someone calling like Stone, Stone Cold's Cold's kid, I it's think, like... I think Stone Cold might have been five years older than Pillman. Yeah, that's... Pillman was really young at this time. That's what's funny to me. Um, so, yeah, Brian said they needed a name. He came up with the Hollywood Blondes. The logic was it had been done before, but it had been a while. There you go. So They're Hollywood it. Blondes 4. So, it's just like, you know what? Freaking like blonde, freaking arrogant, like heels and stuff done before, but you know what? Spin them in it and it works. Stone Cold puts over Pillman in every way, basically saying that everything about the gimmick, you know, like their presentation, some of their stage, their antics, and just the name and everything was just his idea, his creativity, like that spot where they used to like wind up the camera. And here's the thing like heat. them being like the weird enhancement, freaking inner room tag team. Them becoming heels and arrogant heels kind of helped like Pillman's creativity to do more to try to get a rouse out of the crowd. So yeah. like the tag team was very helpful in his like Eric Bischoff literally said they were made for each other as a tag team. And, and uh Stone Cold even said that it helped him understand like how tag teams and it helped him come around to liking tag teams. This was so wholesome. Jim Cornette had like this nostalgic, like actually happy look on his face as he talked about him. 
So at this point, this is when he met Melanie. Oh, fucking Melanie. I'm going to be honest, full disclosure, I'm not a big fan of this gal. I, I've heard I've heard Brian Pillman Jr. shoot on her a few times. Now, Grand, this is before they reconciled, I, I guess, which I didn't know going into this. But I, just looking at the story and looking at people saying, you know. She was sketch. Look, I was going to save this for later, but I might as well say it now. I know, like. You know, after Pillman dies, she goes on Raw TV, and that's like, oh, that's one of the sleaziest things in WWE history, you know. And listen, I'm not trying to downplay Vince McMahon because that was his idea, but just Him and from Vin- listening Vince to and Vince other, Russo. yeah, but from listening to other people talk about it, I mean, she even says at one point she wasn't forced into it. It it, it just sounds like she was taking a paycheck, and then she used the paycheck to give into certain vices. That's what that sounds like. Don't, and we'll she just there. does a lot of not chill shit. Yeah, yeah. But freaking Melanie. Anyway, yeah. So Melanie, which would become Melanie. like his freaking like wife till he dies. She freaking, comes on screen talking about their wedding. Um, oh, dude. Freaking no. We get the first shot of Melanie and fucking those titties, bro. <laughs> I just saw that. I was like, fuck, bro. Holy shit. <laughs> That's a porno, babe. What the fuck was Brian Pillman pulling? <laughs> and he, he literally said, oh, yeah, she was a... <laughs> I think they saw her in like a. She pin-up. was working in Atlanta. Yeah, she was work- an exotic dancer. She, she was working in Atlanta. Parentheses a showgirl. Showgirl is, is what Linda Pillman said. Yeah, and then friggin' like Brian saw her first saw her in like a pinup of like some maybe naughty magazine. Yes. and he's just like, I'm gonna marry her one day, Kim. I'm gonna marry her one day, and just like he did. Yeah. Fuck. Like, literally, she was a worker. She was a showgirl in Atlanta, and they were hanging out, and yeah, he had an affair with her. She talks about how- And she was like, uh, I would say, like, wow, she was a total freaking super babe. No, she was very pretty. But then we meet modern day Melanie, and I'm like, holy, holy fuck. fuck. My first Life thought was- was not treated you well. I know this is going to sound really cruel, I'm, but I'm, it ended up getting confirmed. My first thought was, holy shit, tweaker. She did a lot of drugs. She did some fucking. She was even. She, she she had like the stereotypical look, you know, the saggy skin, twitchy, fidgeting a lot, just you know, weird mannerisms when she talked, missing a tooth. Just you're, yeah, yeah. No, you just see like this freaking super like freaking like super. It's not babe. that she's like ugly or anything, but you can just tell she's been through the ringer of life. Yeah, it's like super babe, and then like you see her, it's like holy shit. She looked like she did a lot of hard drugs, and it was confirmed she did a lot of hard drugs. I'm like, fuck, bro. So, yeah, she talks about how away from work, Brian was, you know, mellow, but very smart. Junior and Kim talk about how much of a great dad he was. Because, you see, you see, everybody, he had the two daughters, okay? And on top of getting Melanie pregnant with Pillman Jr., yeah. she had two other kids who we don't see in this interview, this documentary. So I think that's five yeah. kids. I think we just see the kids that came out of friggin' Brian. That came penis. out of Brian's. Penis. <laughs> yeah, I think that's basically what we saw. We didn't get Melanie's like Melanie's other kids. Yes, but you know those five kids, uh, they loved him and he loved them. He'd carry them and stuff. Like and he'd be walking around and all of them would be attached to his body, like yeah. a friggin' like. It sounds like all things considered, I'm not saying he was a bad guy. He's definitely a sketch guy, but you know what? He he. It sounds like he was a good dad. It sounds like he was an awesome. He really liked his kids and like wanted to like freaking do the best for them. Sadness comes again when okay, so this felt so much like WWE. The blondes are getting, and it's not just them that do it, but they're the best example. The blondes are getting over, right? They have a match with Ric Flair on the main event of the show, and it does a crap rating. They did a, yeah, they did a freaking, like, the Hollywood blondes had a match with Ric Flair and whoever else on the Clash of Champions. Yeah. But it did a shitty rating. But then at that time, it's like, dude, 
Wrestling was doing shitty ratings, period. Yeah, because WWE, what year was this again? It was like 93? It might have been 93. Yeah. Yeah, wrestling Raw, was in the doldrums. Yeah. WWF wasn't doing like any much of note, and WCW was just barely surviving. Yes. Wrestling was so, not doing good, period. Oh, <laughs> so yeah, creative blamed them. And, and, and in Jim Cornette's own words, I'm paraphrasing, but he basically said someone back there had to not like them because... Blaming them for the bad rating, that's ridiculous. So they break up the Hollywood Blondes just as they were getting over because they were like, yeah, they were heels, but like, you know, they were really good heels and they were good wrestlers and people, you know, WCW fans for the most part have always been more receptive towards the in-ring work as opposed to WWF fans, at least at the time. So like... They put them together with no direction. They get over there. They win some titles and then a shit rating happens. It's clearly not their fault. So the assholes at WCW are like, you know what? Break them up with no clear direction of what to do with them. I think they just wanted to break them up, though. There was, it's like, honestly, it's like, what are we doing with these guys? Let's break them up kind of thing. Well, I mean, but then like, they were like, well, there are champions, like there are champions right now. It's like, you know what? I, we don't care for them. And once the like shitty rating came in, it's like, you know what? Give big enough excuse to like break them up. The way I wrote it here is that like, so with WWE, right? Like Vince McMahon is a dick, but he's a one dick. He's one huge dick. WCW. He's a very big penis. WCW's history is a bunch of small dicks trying to be especially when like when like Kevin Nash and Hulk Hogan get there bro WCW has super small PP energy yes WWE just has to deal with one dick but WCW was a lot of dicks so anyway they get broken up Cornet says his thing so the years between 90 and 93 were super rough Melanie um as um as Brittany and um because now we get in the part where Danny like, said Melanie was a very controlling person and treated Rochelle very poorly. And the story goes Rochelle didn't show up for a meeting once with Brittany. So Brian said, Well, let's just file for custody. And direct like, quote, I'm sure Rochelle might have been dealing with a lot of depression at the time, too. They don't really get into her story. Yeah, I, mean, I guess too, they but can. But you can guess but, it. And then yeah. they're just like the kids are says, like, oh yeah, Melanie's also kind of like an insecure asshole, too. Yeah. And in a direct quote from Melanie, I said yes at the time, but wish I didn't because that changed everything, adopting the kids, which not giving away too much. I mean, I had a similar situation happen in my family. Adopting kids is fucking stressful. It takes a toll. It's crazy. So the tag team's broken up. Brian's life is complicated from the court hearings. It's getting hard. Yeah, because freaking like, because like. Melanie is like insecure, does not like Rochelle. Does not. And freaking like freaking Rochelle's getting like, I'm sure she's not doing well in her life because, hey, I just had to go through a divorce and now I got to deal with this asshole big tit lady, (laughs) freaking this asshole porno tit lady freaking fucking with my life. And like, I want to like the only person that I want to see is like my kid who's like really cool to me. But this freaking porno tit lady. Yeah. But this porno tit lady is just fucking fucking with me. And basically, yeah, she got sketched where she disappeared. And basically, it's like, honestly, I don't know if we really want her seeing Rochelle. It's like, yeah, I don't think we really want to see her seeing Rochelle. Let's file for custody. And they were doing the thing. But basically, Linda Pillman just eventually said, like, honestly, in the end, it was just that Brian had more money. And he was able to continue was able to continue paying, like, the lawyers. Mm-hmm. And Rochelle didn't have much money. So, freaking eventually, they were able to win custody over Brittany. Yeah. And that's how lawyers work. They only work when you're paying them. So just uh, for full disclosure, this shit, I mean, there's going to be a lot of heavy shit, but it kind of mo- really starts here. This, this shit gets heavy. One. So, you know, I'll, I'm going to, you know, I'll be summarizing like I have, but I'll be as respectful as I can. 
So filming comes out and um, because so Brittany's chilling outside and then Rochelle comes up to see yeah. her like to one like time, hug her. Yeah, just one time Rochelle's just hanging out. Not Rochelle, freaking Brittany's hanging Brittany. out playing. And Rochelle just kind of comes out of nowhere. Not on one of the days where she was scheduled to like hang out and stuff. Yeah. Like an unplanning meetup and like Rochelle just wanted to like hug her kid and stuff. But then freaking Melanie comes yeah. out and sees this like, oh no, she's fucking taking a kid. What the fuck? Yeah, they thought she was fucking kidnapping her. So Brian so Brian comes out, they yell and stuff. It's like, yo, what the fuck you doing? You're not supposed to be fucking here. This is so, fucking illegal. What the fuck? Later on, Rochelle tries to call, but Brian isn't there because he's out. So Melanie answers the phone and then their phone call ends with Melanie saying the words, even your own mother thinks I'd be a better mother for your kids than you. So Melanie, she um she takes her own life. Not Melanie, Rochelle. Rochelle takes her own life. Yes. And we get details of her calling up her like her own mom, Brittany's mm-hmm. grandma, telling her it's like whatever stuff. And then she takes her own life. This is the this is one of the first parts, because I forgot to mention this. Full disclosure, this documentary almost had me bawling a few times. Like I like some some there was some liquid building up in my eyes. Like just shit with kids and parents. Like like Rochelle's death was very sad, but the part that started it was how Brittany was talking about, you know, she's just a little girl and she just wanted to hug her mom and stuff stuff and shit like that gets me and then you know Rochelle takes her own life and it's just like fuck man and then Linda because she's the one trying to get in touch with what's happening stuff she's the one that finds out about it so she has to call everybody and tell them that Rochelle's passed away and, and Brian's just there. I was like, dude, what the fuck? Did we and put- Brian is racked with guilt. He thinks that he thinks put- he did it. He thinks it's his fault. He's they, racked with guilt. They pushed her into freaking doing it. And then Mel, an older Melanie, can like admits that you know, honestly, she wasn't really abusive to like little Brittany and anything. And I think she just missed. She was just being insecure and like, yeah, that horrible. To shit her thing. credit, Melanie seems somewhat regretful. Like it's just one. Of, it's one of those things where like she acknowledges that it happened. She acknowledges that she played a part, but she never goes in the specifics like Brittany straight up hold and 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 Danny they straight up hold her responsible Brittany literally says at one point I have it written right here um Brittany literally says um she hates Melanie to this day and like if I was in that position you know how could you not so yeah, like Melanie I, just sounds like a shithead, insecure fucking parent. So Brian pays for the entire funeral. And partially, I believe, as a coping mechanism, he is diving just fucking head first, deeper and deeper into his wrestling career with WCW. The documentary points out that by now, at this time in the timeline, it's the Monday Night Wars where we're at. We're kind of we're get, getting there. We're getting there. It's like, I'm sure it's 95. Yeah, it has. Because I think Monday Night Wars started in 95. Yes, I think that's that, when they really started. They didn't go into full effect until 96. Yeah, yeah, and like they basically it's like, hey, WCW made the call to switch to Monday nights to go head to head with WWE and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I think that was 95. And for anyone wondering, hey, what's the Monday Night Wars? Basically, Eric Bischoff was looking at called Vince Man. He's like, you got a small dick. And Vince is like, fuck you. I got a big dick. And then they went to war with each other for five years. Yes. For ratings. And dude, these ratings got well, high. I well, always forget. The there this was is, a point where Raw drew like a 10 million rating at one like, point. Like literally, this decision did help grow WCW. Oh, it did. It's like one of those things like, you know what? Fuck it, do it. Let's create some controversy. And that hyped up freaking mm. like normie fans. So uh, Brian's going to talk, wants to talk to Bischoff about how he wants a raise because at this point, 
it is about Brian becoming he's successful. Got five rest- kids. He's got yes, five kids. that's the core of the story. Is that he does he- want to be successful, but it is mostly because of the kids. Because he's got five fucking kids. And I think Brian Pillman might be bad with his money. Yes, we'll get to that in a sec. We'll that's coming that. up. But yes, I shouldn't laugh, but it's like, fuck. So yeah, that's going on. So Bischoff, at the time, he couldn't justify giving Brian uh, more money. So needing direction, Brian Pillman turns to Kim, asking him what to do. And then Brian goes deeper. He decides to become the loose cannon. Because he's sitting there. Well, Kim Wood tells him like, all right, in this business of everyone using everyone and stuff, how what is a way that you can make yourself be more valuable? Yes. In their eyes. And so he comes up with the loose game because he's hanging out like Brian Pillen's one of the first peeps that was talking to Dave Meltzer. Like, yeah, here's the thing. Like Dave he, Meltzer Mel- and yeah. Brian Pillman are really, really good friends. Like yeah. really good friends. Like this documentary doesn't say it, but like freaking that's probably by Dave. He he always he always likes to understate his own like involvement and stuff. Yeah. yeah. But like Dave Meltzer says, like they were really, really good friends. Like yeah. a lot of stuff like. That like freaking with Brian Pillman, Dave Meltzer always comes in. So freaking, mm-hmm. I'm sure there was a part where like freaking Brian Pillman's like a smart fan. He's kind of getting the understanding. It's like, you know what? Maybe I should become a weird character that messes with the fans. Mm-hmm. Like they don't know. So yeah, loose cannon character. Because he I went like, struck like freaking struck. He just thought of it. Because and- where we are in history nowadays, yes, we all know wrestling is fake. But at the time, not everyone knew. I would say by the year 2000, everyone knew. Yeah, like, but I'm, at I'm this sure, point, 1990, I'm sure a lot of people five, thought. Like I'm sure a lot of people kind of knew it was fake and stuff, yeah. or kind of what. But no one was. There weren't as many smart fans. There weren't a lot. Of insiders there weren't a lot of smart marks so even if people knew it was scripted they didn't know about a lot of the backstage shit because it wasn't in like the forefront of what was happening going on so brian's plan is and it's fucking genius he wants to prove his worth to bischoff as an entertainer catch vince mcmahon's eye so vince will offer him more money and then eventually like, Pillman- get more money from eric bischoff and go back to wcw yes Holy shit. This is like some it's and by God, the man did it. Well, he was halfway there, but then he passed away. But yeah, this is like this felt this shit felt like the origin story of like either a villain or an antihero because he's like delving into his insanity and going wild. And that's not me being melodramatic. They say that shit. Basically, the first when he tried to talk to Bischoff, like, hey, can I get a raise? Mm-hmm. And he's just sitting there. I was like, I can basically get to what you're at right now. You can get two hundred twenty five thousand dollars a year. Yeah. Which back then is still a lot of money. Yeah, but it's like, well, I want to get to four four hundred thousand. And it's like, sorry, can't do that. Yeah. So then he's like sitting there, it's like, you know what? I'm gonna come with a crazy character. Like, dude, there was like freaking like this is the part we start getting like instant like freaking instances. I was of about, yeah, about to mention the Bobby Heenan yeah, thing. Yeah, so what happened with the Bobby Heenan thing? So Bobby Heenan, uh Bobby the Brain Heenan had was neck this, surgery. Now was this uh like a pay-per-view or something? I couldn't tell. I think it might have just been a nitro because it looked like it, but their pay-per-view setups looked similar Whatever. for a while. But Let's anyway, just say it's a pay-per-view because we got freaking Bobby the Brain Heenan. So Bobby the Brain Heenan, who always had like a history with like neck problems and stuff he had neck surgery so he was very like sensitive about it in the sense of protective making sure that you know he wasn't touched or hurt so fucking brian pillman goes up behind him and starts like grabbing him by the way he's like yeah yeah doing shit and bobby heenan says gets up and says on air he's like the fuck are you doing he drops a fat f-bomb <laughs> and then he storms off to the back and everyone's like holy shit he just made bobby heenan drop an f-bomb and the logic was boom notoriety 
And then, or when he has a match with Kevin Sullivan, which and, at one moment looked like they were just strip. Did, did you see them fight? going in the turnbuckle? He was shooting. Yeah, they looked like they were shooting. And then after the match, freaking Sullivan's all weird and awkward. And he's just like, don't worry. I respect you, Booker, man. Yeah. And like all the smart fans were sitting there like, what the fuck? No way. He's fucking saying this. What? I think a lot of normie people were like, what the fuck's he saying? Yeah, this exactly. Weird. I, I have it. I have it written here. Um, <clears throat> Sorry, I have it written here. Um, Sullivan looks shook. Like he's got he's got his tiny tiny trunks on, and he just looks shy. Like he's just kind of like looking at him. Like he's not wide eyed. He's just like he he's just four. He's like, what the fuck did you just say, Cornet? This is at a point where Cornet goes on a thing about how you know kayfabe, which dates back to the carnival days. You know that was like the secret code brotherhood thing, and. Hillman had started to basically dismantle that, you know, betrayed it in a way. So around this and like, point, he's not the first one to do it. Like if you dig deep enough before him, before Meltzer, like you have guys that broke kayfabe, like from back to the seventies and sixties, like Southern guys on guys in the Southern territories would get pissed. And then they go on the local radio station and be like, Oh yeah, this is all fake. Like it's documented, but no one did it on this level. So yeah. But then from here on, then like freaking since he's getting his crazy character together, yeah, yeah, yeah. he basically so, comes to Bischoff and he's like, Hey, give me my release to really, really work. This. this was some 800 IQ Batman shit. He goes to Eric Bischoff and he said, look, we need to make this look real. So you need to actually fire me you need to give me a uh, uh, a termination um a contract termination thing so i can show to people and show it's real and eric bischoff actually fires him well he was like i could give you a fake one but it's like no 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 if you give me it a has fake to be one, real it has to be real or freaking like dave will freaking know that's fake and yeah stuff. and he does that so he can negotiate with vince it's fucking genius. And it's funny because Eric Bischoff is the only one who says this. He's like, nah, he didn't manipulate me. We were working together. It was our idea. But everyone in this inner in this documentary is just like, nah, dude. Bischoff got fucked. He got like, worked. He planned to work Bischoff. And Bischoff is like, no, no, no. Because I know like Pillman was just gonna come back to me later on in life. <laughs> it's like, well, that much is true, I I think. Because Meltzer even backs that up. But the idea that it was their idea, no. It was all Brian. So at this point, uh, Brian Wayne over here is like, okay, I got to go higher. I got to go gnarlier. I got to go more extreme. So this motherfucker goes to EC fucking W and he storms the stage. He's got, he's got his, um, talking to Joey like, Styles. It's like, there's like, it's like a cyber slam. Like the events. Cy- it was a like, cyber slam. Yeah. The events cyber slam. Joey Styles is talking. The lights go out and then Brian, Brian Pillman Pillman's there. And then he has the thing where it's like, no one's going to tell me I'm Brian fucking Pillman and like the people and like UCW is most likely the most smart like the smart marks there oh that is so they're all serious like holy fuck he's here and it made a statement it's like well UCW is kind of affiliated with WWE yeah and WCW didn't like UCW so if he's here holy shit He's actually like released. He's a free agent. What the fuck? And then he calls the Philadelphia crowd a bunch of smart mark pieces of shit. And then he just kind of like uh, whips out his cock. Like he starts trying to whip out his cock. He was about to just piss in the ring. But then security came in and like, like freaking chased him off. He spits on a fan. He judo flips the fan. Like, yeah, he's like got a fan with a very big poofy mullet that starts attacking him and then he just freaking just like freaking like judo flips him and shit and then we get like freaking like compilations of like random shit like there's like of just random like segments of ecw where he wrestles a giant pencil Pencil. 
It's like, oh, the pencil's coming after me. Ah, oh, because did I do good. Because as pen, because as Jim Cornette says, pencil was an insider term for Booker, which kind of makes me think. Do you think if anyone's listening to this and they don't know the term, should we like clear up what some of these terms are? Like shoot and work. Shoot and well, work basically means it's fake. Shoot yeah. means it's real. And a worked shoot, Vince Russo's favorite thing in the world, is when it looks real but it's actually fake. Yeah. Well, fakes the wrong. Take, fakes a harsh word, but yeah. You yes. know, and then just like random stuff, like him in the kitchen where he's like, he like starts a giant fire. Oh Which my actually, god! Actually, they that was don't great. like show it in the documentary, but it's hilarious too. He's just like some random chef saying shit, and then someone says like, "Oh wait, this order's for Bischoff," and he spits in the food. Here, take it to him. <laughs> Do you think they get more in depth with that kind of stuff in like uh, the other Brian Pillman documentary that like WWE did? I don't know. Oh, but yeah. So, um, or you can just go watch those ECW segments. <laughs> You know, I wanted to, but okay. So really quick side thing. I, I, I got fucked for time because I watched this first part and then I kind of accidentally watched Vice's Montreal Screwjob video in its entirety. Yeah, it just came on. I was like, oh, you know, Brett Hardy, he's old. But then I just like couldn't turn it off. I got me some peanut butter pretzels and I just watched that before I watched the second part. <laughs> it's really good. It's good. Like sh- it's I love the, the shit where Brett, where Brett's talking about, and I'm sure he's upselling himself a bit, but where he's like leaning back, he's like 14 years, and then he just fucking just bam socks Vince right in the eye. Yes. Oh, it's so good. And then like the cartoony recreation, you just see like a Vince just flying in the air. I love the actors that they have for these vice things because you know none of them look like these characters, well, but they're they all entrenched look- in shadows. Yeah, so they pseudo look like the characters. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, so yeah, uh, that happens. Wrestles a giant pencil. At this point, and Stone Cold just, Melter and the daughters talk about how he blurred reality, you know, and, and, and he was they, basically working everyone because like Uncle yeah. Dave says, like, dude, I lost contact with him. Yeah, because here's the thing, if you Kim was talk, I think Kim was talking to Brian. He was like, bro, you can't talk to Melter because then he'll have to tell everyone it's a work and you don't want and, you know, you don't want Melter to be a liar. So, yeah, he didn't talk to Melter for like three months. And stuff, but then basically freaking. Because now it's like, all right, we need to get an audience with Vince. How are we going to do this and stuff? I think at this point, they also like ask him was like, so what is your opinions on Vince? <laughs> Did you get that direct yeah, quote? Yeah, he's like, I think, ah, no, I just think he just says. He, like, he says, you know what you do with a whore? You fuck it. You fuck it. <laughs> That's what I think of Vince. That's what I've always thought of Vince. I'm like, holy. I always forget how much how much some people just actually hate Vince McMahon's guts. So yeah, so so there is an insider convention in like Las, Las Vegas. In Las Vegas. Okay. And freaking like Dave Meltzer's there mm-hmm. and everything. And he talks about he was able to see Pillman. He like, I think he like got some Pillman got something from like Dave Meltzer. And then Pillman just bum rushes JR and Vince McMahon. And he says shit like, hey, Vince McMahon, mother. Fucker, I'm so happy to meet you. Let's get a picture. And then you just get to see an awkward picture of like Pillman just smiling like ear to ear. And Vince is going, okay, what the fuck's up with this guy? <laughs> and JR gets a uh, vouchers for him. And because Vince is like, I oh, don't know, we can't hire that guy. He's too crazy. And then JR is like, crazy like a fox. And Vince is like, what? No, he's told me, he told me what he's doing. He's, he's good. So he can. Like he's good. Like that craziness is Actually, a sign of more creativity. And then that turns the gears and Vince is like, hmm. So Melter, this is the part where Melter mentions that Brian really wanted to stay in WCW because he felt it was more his company. Um, And WWE didn't like have the guaranteed money and Vince like pushing the bigger guys. So the narrative is. Well, the thing is like WWE had guaranteed money, but like 
them pushing bigger guys, he didn't feel like it was an environment that he, that Pillman wanted to be in because he's like a tall, but he's kind of a skinny dude. He's really skinny. He's not lanky, but he's thin. So Pillman says the e. So the the narrative is Pillman's uh, is um, WWE is more. He's using them as leverage as a bargaining chip because it's all about the money. And then the episode ends talking about Brian Jackson. This is the part. Well, here's the thing. They're no, talking about like it. they're talking about. So like, did Pillman really want to be on a side or something? And then you just get Kim Wood yelling, "No, it was about the fucking money. It's always been about the money. Yeah, who gives a fuck about Vince or Bischoff? It was the money. That's yeah. And then we got Dave talking about. It's like, yeah, he's like always talking about trying to save money, but then he buys a Humvee for like eighty thousand dollars, and that gets like <laughs> under ten miles a gallon. Yes. And he's just sitting around and they're talking. I was like, oh, yeah, that Humvee, this is what I meant like, by straight he's up, bad like, with money. Like he's just sitting there. It's like, oh, yeah, like he, with that Humvee friggin if there's a stoplight, he'll just dr- go into the drainage ditch and just drive around. He just drove that Humvee through everything. But then it ends about him and his freaking accident with the Humvee. And I think uh, it was like one. I can't remember if it's Linda or like Melanie gets the call about it. And it's like, wait, what? And that's where part one ends. And this is where I'm going to take a moment to break for a piss. Okay. All right, listeners, we are back. And now we're going to continue on talking about part two, where it gets really hard. It really gets hard, heavy and shitty. Yeah, I'm going to be honest. Um, I didn't really realize it until looking over my notes just now while he was pissing. But this... This the second part is like ninety percent pure misery. Yes. So we're at the car crash, and Melanie called Linda. Well, they like kind of start like because it's part two. They talk about like recapping yeah, recap. like you know just all the like them talking about how he created this crazy character for contract negotiations, and it's just like groundbreaking. And people are it's like, dude, what the fuck is going on? They lifted Brian by helicopter, and this shit is fucked. So basically, yeah, he got fucked up in this his, Humvee accident. His face is literally broken. Like they have to put plates in his head. His ankle is hanging off his body. Yes. It's just like purely shattered, maybe mush. And freaking, yeah, like Linda's the first one to go see Brian. And freaking, she's in the room. And then Melanie, who's, I guess, modeling in Miami at the time. She finds her. Yeah, she like finds her way up to the room. She's running by and Linda's like, Melanie, Brian's in here. And she first thing's like, that's not my husband. I'm like, fuck, bro. That's that's brutal. That's brutal. I think that describes Melanie in a couple words. Wait, that's not my husband. Who's this guy? I I think she meant it more in a sense of no, that can't be him. Oh my god, this is horrible. But I wouldn't. Let's go with that one. But that's still like reaction of like that's not my husband. I'm like. That's a weird choice of words. So Melanie says, because they ask her for specifics on what happened. She says he fell asleep at the wheel. Uh, He had taken some sleeping pills. While driving 70 miles per hour. Then they ask, well, were there any other substances? And she's like, no, just some muscle relaxers. I think he just maybe some he got his medications. He took it right there at the spot and was driving home. But it was hit him. He got drowsy. Then we hear driving 70 miles per hour. He had a stump and supposedly he just lawn darted out of the car. No, that's what happens because then we hear audio of him talking to about on a radio station. Bro, this shit's ridiculous. It sounds I'm not trying to be disrespectful. It sounds like a fucking wacky like Donald Duck. No, Daffy Duck cartoon. Basically, he smashed into the tree trunk. He jettisoned. He jettisoned head first through the roof of the car. It was a convertible, like yeah. freaking pullback thing. So it was like the fabric. He just shot through the fabric, flipped twice in the air, a, a double gainer, and la- and landed fifty feet away from the car. Holy fuck! How's he alive? 
The kids talk about memories of Brian recovering uh, the bolts in his legs. Ah, it's just fucking brutal. Jim yeah, Corn- he's got bolts in his legs. He got plates all over his face. And Jim Corn- We're inside his dome. And this made me feel so it's bad. It's like freaking swollen up and stuff. Because, yeah, and, 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 and uh, Pillman Jr. said he remembered like... Like some of like the bolts in his legs looked rusty and shit. No, they look like weird and like freaking like oily and stuff. Yeah. But that's just the blood and everything. Yeah. Just like just dripping. And all, Jim like- Cornette's this made me feel so bad. Jim Cornette said that because Pillman was so good at being crazy. When word got out about this accent, there was a sizable contention of people that believed it was all a bunch of it was all work. It's some they wacky shit. They all believed shit. that it was a work and it was fake. And Even Meltzer, like- when Kim told him about the accent, he was initially skeptical. But then Dave told people in the Observer, and people didn't believe him. Cornette then says there was a decently popular rumor at the time that people believed that he was getting plastic surgery to reconstruct his face to look like Shawn Michaels to do an evil twin arc in WWF. What the fuck? What the fuck, bro? Like literally, like someone on a rate because like so, like he gets. An I'm not gonna or- lie. I laughed at that for a solid minute. I paused and I laughed because can you imagine? Can you and you know how wrestling fans can be? Someone out there was like, hey, man, did you hear about Brian Pillman? Oh, yeah, I heard he was in an accident. Nah, man, that's not what was really Nah, happened. dude, it's a work. He, It's a work. He's, Have you met he's, the guy? He's getting con- reconstructive face surgery. Have you met the guy? To look like Shawn Michaels so he can go to the like, WWF and some, be an evil Shawn like, Michaels. Some nerd, like, and he, some person heard that and he was like, Wow, holy shit. Oh my god, I can't believe that. That's crazy. Yeah, like literally Pillman's on a, a freaking he's having a radio interview and stuff. I think over a phone call and someone asks, so someone says you're supposed to be like trying to get uh plastic surgery to make yourself look like Shawn Michaels. And he says, No, I look like Brian F. and Pillman. <laughs> I got just but my face is really swollen and I got metal plates in my dome. <laughs> I would rather talk to someone that thinks the Montreal screw job was a work than so thinks that. <laughs> that had to be a work. There's no way he thinks that was a work. I, that's a lie. Anyway, so so he's fucked up, but he's negotiating with Vince because he's downplaying his injuries to a very wide degree. And uh, Jared says this later, but Meltzer says this now. He Brian Pillman tried to tell him he was like, "Oh yeah, no, the doctors say that um, I'll be a hundred percent. It'll take a while, but I'll be a hundred percent." And Meltzer just doesn't believe that at nope. all. You're pretty done. You're pretty wrecked. Then we see him crying at the official signing of his WWF contract, and after crossing paths with his old friend Austin, which I gotta quickly say, yes, on a lighter note, I would, I totes want a suit like that is a. Gr- <laughs> I want his I don't suit. really remember the suit. It's not it's like the weird kind of like it's literally like the silver it's like the black silver button but it's got like the friggin' kind of like wrap around like like friggin' neck collar like there's no tie or anything. Oh yeah. It literally looks like a suit you would see in the Matrix. <laughs> That's pretty sick. But I'm like fuck dude, not going to lie. That suit's pretty fucking sick. Matrix 4 any day Seriously, now. Seriously. Brian Pillman, Drip King. He was so good. So then we see, yeah, there's that. So now back to the shit. He gets an interview where he says, I am going to ra- wait. <clears throat> I am going to rape, pillage, and plunder this entire federation. And you people can't see me, but then he smiles like this. He like he has a very big like- doughy-eyed, ear to ear, closed mouth, just lip only smile. This is the part where some normies just like Brian Pillman would have been good as the Joker. Maybe. Could you imagine Brian P- Joker with Brian Pillman's voice? 
Not, not so fast, Batman. Anyway. So, not so fast, Batman. This fucked me up because apparently at home he has an IV. Like, he unhooks the IV from him when he goes to work. And when he gets home, he hooks himself back up. Basically, he'll work. He'll be overly medicated, try to do whatever he can. But then he would then go home and then basically hook up to the IV and then just be a vegetable. Pillman Jr. literally says he felt this was the beginning of the end. So Pillman has a surgery coming up, right? And to cover for it, they have Steve Austin beat his ass in his hometown for some heel heat. And in Austin's own words, I whooped his ass. I stumped a mud on him and I walked it dry. I gave that him a, was a stiff beating. That was a stiff beating I gave him. He took it like a damn man. Like, And then like he's like Pillmanizing his freaking leg, which that's where like... The term pilmanize, pilmanize. Yeah, like pilmanizing. Cornette says there's a way to make that look convincing, but I won't give secrets. Oh, and then we get to the gun. The famous Brian Pillman gun angle. I'm going to be honest. No, the best is like freaking Cornette Center. It's like, I don't know how that just went past me and stuff. I don't know why that went there. And you can see his face is just cringing. His like putrid hatred for Vince Russo was just on his mug. He didn't say the name. Why didn't they get Vince Russo in for this one? I get it. He would only really be here can for this not? one spot. But yeah, can we not? Hey, listen, it's nice he'll to have sitting- other perspectives. Yeah, but he was sitting there like, yeah, bro, this was great television. I'm like, this documentary is pretty thought- dark. I can imagine what he'd say. It'd be some shit like... I was talking to Vince and I said, Vince, we got to do something, bro, to get the attention of the people. So you know what? I told him, what if Stone Cold breaks into his house, bro, and he'll and Brian Pillman shoots him with a gun, with a gun. Come on, bro. (laughs) So we get to this famous scene. We get friggin'. Yeah. Melanie's also hanging out there, too, with a friggin' like tiger, like tiger print friggin' like thing. So. For all the folks that don't know, this is, in fact, a famous bit in wrestling history. For those that don't know... It's more infamous. Yeah. For those that don't know, in 97, McMahon was trying to produce edgier content to compete with Bischoff's edgier content. There is a difference. WWF and WCW uh, attitude are different. WCW was more just about more like trying to get adult storylines, maybe some sexual themes and violence here and there, but also just kind of chaos. WWF attitude was trying to go in the complete deeper direction. Well, Jerry Springer, because as everyone who knows anything knows Vince Russo who you know he wasn't like the head creative force but he was a creative force his biggest inspiration and he was able to convince Vince McMahon this was a good idea crash TV trash TV Jerry Springer who was hot at the time so that's what WWE did like WCW went sleazy see WWF went sleazier you know they had crazy action they had they went dark they went darker you know that kind of shit so then this shit gets violent so then Stone Cold Steve Austin invades the house but before that Brian Millen Brian Pillman says has a goddamn nine millimeter handgun. He literally says, "You know, you might say Stone Cold 316. Well, I say Brian Pillman nine, nine millimeter." millimeter. And, just, and you just hear like Vince get McMahon going, "Oh my God, he's got a gun!" And then you just see Stone Cold trying to break into the he's house. He's breaking into the house with a baseball bat. Like he's just going around and saying, "Brian Pillman, come out here now! I'm gonna whip your ass!" Then Brian Pillman points the gun at him. No, he's like, he, "No, he like like he's going around the house." Yeah, yeah. but he takes a freaking bat, bashes his freaking in like back right. window in the kitchen cracks it open and he hear Vince just saying no Stone Cold don't Brian's got a gun Brian's got a gun and you see freaking like you see freaking Stone Cold walking up and Brian's standing up ready to shoot him and the screen uh, just goes and the screen goes static 
I'm going to be completely honest. This clip is all kinds of fucked up. It's dark. Like, bro, like if you want, I remember, like if you watch it by yourself, maybe I'm just a bitch. I'll admit I'm very sensitive, but there's no music. They got the screaming. Pillin's got a scary face. It, yeah, it's dark. Got- it, I watched that for the first time a long time ago. I And I watch it now. I'm like, bro, that's just unsettling. It's pretty crazy. It plays out like a horror movie. Yeah, and Stone Cold's the freaking horror. <laughs> yeah, so Michael uh, Stone Cold Michael Myers. No, it's hilarious too because trying to kill Pillman Lloyd. No, it's hilarious too because like literally Mel- like Melanie says like honestly, Jamie Pillman, that'd be funny. yeah, freaking Melanie just like says like honestly, they just told us to kind of go up and then just wing it from there. That's what they said. Yeah, yeah. So they, so I thought it was something like yeah, Steve's gonna break in and just wing it from there. Yeah, no, it's pretty like horrifying. But at the I same time, Cold- I think it's like maybe I'm feeling bad, but I think it's like. It looks sick, great television. You liked it? Because I'm not going to lie, I kind of liked it too. I kind of, it's weirdly, I oddly, well, it's sure weirdly time, engaging. It's oddly at the time, it's like freaking like, honestly, it's pretty trashy. If I was to watch it at the time, I was like, dude, what the fuck? Oh yeah, that's but what Melcher said. Yeah, but it's like, now I like see it, it's like, honestly. Melcher didn't completely like, like shit on it. But hey, like this man just injured the good guy and stuff too, but this man wants to come after him. In fact, what will this guy do? He's got a gun. <laughs> in fact, this shit And was then you're sh- sitting there like, Holy fuck, is Stokel about to get blasted by a nine millimeter? But then they eventually show, like, once like they like show it back, just a horde of people freaking like shoe Austin off and away. Yeah. Like, so I think Austin didn't get shot on WWF Raw. And then this shit got so shocking our Vince went on national television was and a, had to apologize. Because it was very negative publicity. It was publicity. Like literally, it was they, like it was very poor taste where it's yeah. like Okay, I'm sorry for doing a very bad They angle. showed him apologizing and just you see him and he's an awkward guy anyway, but you see him standing there, he's all fidgeting, he's not making eye contact. But you can just see in his by language, he wishes he could kill, murder everybody on the FCC right now. So now the time is still 1997. At this point, he's being thrown on the commentary table with JR and he hates it. He wants to wrestle and he wanted <clears throat> And he did wrestle sometimes, and, you know, he had some decent matches, according to Meltzer, but it was nothing like how he was, and he knew it. And he became super crazy dependent on pain pills. To like, work through, really dependent. To work through the matches. Linda says, I think this is later, but quote-unquote, she says, if he was feeling pain, he took a pill. If he still felt it, he took another one. He just took pills until it's, he stopped feeling pain. So then... At this point, his ankle's infected. He's in constant agony. He can he's barely walk. To, yeah, he's like, like he could barely walk through the airport. But as Stone Cold said, he was a tough guy. He was and a he tough hit guy. His pain well, he was a he was a man's man. But like, I yeah. think maybe someone should have really said something to him. Friends and family are worried he's wrecking rental cars. And in fact, Kim had to turn him away at the door because he showed up to his house one time all fucked up. His kids are in the house. Uh, Kim's kids are in the house. And apparently you could see a part in his arm where he stuck a needle in because he was taking growth hormones. He was taking growth hormones or freaking like, I don't know, horse tranquilizer. Who knows what the fuck? Basically, freaking like Melanie's telling us that like freaking Brian Pillman's telling her is like, hey, if something happens to me, don't be shy to move back to Atlanta. Don't be shy to find a new guy. And Melanie's like, Cinder's like, wait, why are you like saying this? And then like the next day he would wreck out a rental car because uh-huh. he kept on dozing off the wheel from all the medication he was taking. And then he went to say like, go like see Kim Wood, like his good friend Kim Wood. And Kim Wood had to tell him to go away because he was out of it. He couldn't say anything. He was slurring and Kim Wood's just sitting there. It's like, my kids are upstairs. 
this and they don't need to be seeing this. And Brian, you're my friend, but you can't be here. So you need to get out of here because he saw a huge welt on his arm. What looked like he stuck a fat syringe in there and freaking Brian pulls, fuck you, man, and stuff and freaking like bounces out. Yeah, and you could tell, and Kim says he didn't want to do that, but his kids were there, and he just couldn't help them this time. It's like, yeah, no, this time it wasn't. And then Jr. talks how he had to, how he organized an intervention, and he tries to get him a drug test. He's trying to save his life, but Pillman takes this as a betrayal. Jr. literally says he felt like he himself failed in saving Brian Pillman's life because Jr. I'm sure the dude's no saint, but the guy's got a fucking uh, heart of gold. Yeah, no, and freaking like Jr. was trying to like get him, but then Brad Pills like, do you know how many of the fucking other motherfuckers are on drugs here? And you're gonna fucking test me? Fuck you, man! You're gonna find shit. And literally, all they found was just his like prescri- his prescription drugs. Yeah, and some st- and some steroids, which, as Melcher said, I mean that. Uh, fuck, people were taking them at the time. So yeah, like uh, that's a, that's the thing, and like freaking um, I can't really say it's like people like. Steroids can be sketch if really abused, but steroids at the same time aren't, Correct me if I'm wrong, aren't the worst, de- aren't the deadliest drug. Correct me if the, I'm wrong, but aren't there like medically like allowed steroids for oh yeah, recovery yeah, yeah. uses? Yeah. I think I've like freaking had to take steroids one time for like a healing something. Was that for one of your, was that for your surgery? No, I don't think it was my surgery. I think I had a bad rash or something. Oh, okay. It was like something, but freaking they like. They gave you a steroid for that? Or something, whatever. Oh. Like steroids aren't like the worst drug. Like, like steroids aren't the really like. A terrible drug, but obviously, like some steroids are sketch and stuff. Oh, too. of course. And you know, mixing drugs isn't the best thing, <laughs> as we're about to find out. But freaking, so yeah, it's no, bad blood. like they did the intervention, and basically, yeah. they didn't find anything else. He's just most likely just abusing his freaking mm-hmm. abusing the drugs he's like taking. So it's bad blood. 1997. Everyone. So as Jim Cornette says, the idea is everyone is supposed to be there by one. But either way, everyone that is supposed to be there shows up by five. But Pillman isn't there yet. So Bruce Pritchard. Sometimes there's traffic. Sometimes they kind of sleep in. Stuff happens. But when five comes around, then it's really late. Yeah. So Bruce Pritchard goes to Jim Cornette, asks him to find Brian. So uh, Cornette calls his hotel and then the hotel person goes to find him and they find uh, Brian Pillman has passed away in his hotel room. This was fucking heavy because Jim Cornette looked like he was about to cry. I've never seen him. Yeah, he was before. about to cry. He literally was on the phone. It's like, is this a rib? Are you ribbing me? As yeah. he's like telling this to the hotel worker, but the hotel worker most likely didn't know. And it's like, no, he passed away. And then like Cornette's like, yo, can someone get Pritchard? And he's like, no, Pritchard's busy and stuff. And it's like, my guy. Pillman has died. Yes. Go get Pritchard. And Ian Pritchard comes up. He gives the phone to Pritchard. And then Cornette's like, dude, I couldn't. <laughs> this is too heavy. So JR said he's devastated to this day. Stone Cold said he remembered at the time he couldn't believe it because, you know, Brian was crazy. So he was like, nah. He, he, thought, he thought Brian was invincible. Melanie remembers the call. You know what happened. Brian remembered when it happened, but like Cornette, he thought it was a rib, but then it slowly set in. Oh shit! You know, Dad's not coming home. Yeah, and freaking, some people thought the death was a work because of his like craziness and him like doing his thing, but that really was he passed away. So they show the raw where Vince announced, yeah, the raw after Bad Blood '97 when Vince announced to everybody, and you know they had the ten. Well, everyone already knew at this point, but you know they have a ten bell salute, and now uh, it's the infamous interview with Melly on live TV. I said my piece on this earlier, you know, about how you know takes two to tango, you know. So So she knew the choreography too, and I think to a degree she was just taking a paycheck. Don't get me wrong; it's still scummy events. I think she like like she was grieving. 
I feel like she was grieving. She didn't know better. And then like they asked her, like, hey, would you do an interview? And she like asked and she said she asked him. It's like, all right, I'll be fine to talk about Brian. But can you just not bring up about drugs or something? And literally the first thing Vince is, McMahon does yeah. is pull, bring up his like use of prescription drugs. And like Melanie says, like, you can see I have a, like a twitch on my face. I made a funny look when he said that. I'm like, of course he would do something like this. Of course they would like pull the stunt. Now, maybe that didn't happen at all. But I, I, I have a vibe that she might not have been lying about that. Just a feeling. Whatever. So friggin' yeah, she's doing the interview. She like basically like says her piece where literally says like, honestly, I hope this is a wake up call to any of the like performers. Like, honestly, it could be your husband next or it could be you next that like happens. But she didn't want to like comment much further because like she literally says like, let's wait till the coroner report so yeah. we could figure out what happened to him. So Cornette hated it. JR hated it. And again, not trying. I think you can see Cornette's face cringing as he despises, most likely he's despising at one Vince Russo. Yeah. Yeah. So then we get to the COD. So who the fuck else would write something like this? Yeah. So then we get to the COD and they ask Linda um, in the interview what the official ruling was, which is heart disease. I thought this would be a bigger segment because I remember that was kind of a big one for the original documentary. You know, I remember the ads for it. Uh, one of the one of the famous uh, things that they put in the advertisements was Jr. saying, you know, even though the thing said heart disease, I think Brian Pillman died of a broken heart because they didn't say this in this documentary. They, I don't know why they omitted this, but at the time, like a couple weeks or whatever before uh, Bad Blood, Brian Pillman was living in the basement because was sleeping in the basement of his house because Melanie had decided to divorce him. And she said her logic was she wanted that to be like his wake up call. And it just um, because she I think the way it works is she either was pregnant already or she was already seeing another guy. But they didn't bring that up in the documentary. I don't think maybe it was like too much of a thing to bring up. But I don't know if they have the time to bring it up. It's kind of yeah. weird. But yeah, that's an important piece that this documentary forgot. Or at least that what the WWE one said too. Yeah. Well, you can find it on the Wikipedia page. Yeah. As well. So forget. I guess yeah. Since that's the news to me. Yeah. So I guess yeah. Forget stress of his life. Mm-hmm. life yeah. No, because she life. was she was divorcing him, and he wasn't. Al- they weren't in the same. They weren't sleeping in the same room. It was. It was, it was, it and was I'm brutal. sure the drugs weren't easy on his heart either. So, oh, yeah. Because they said his dad died from heart disease, too. In like the, his 50s, yeah. So, freaking all the abuse Pillman did. Yeah, no, I'm sure freaking in the end, it didn't turn out. His heart just gave out on him. So, they ask about the funeral. Uh, Linda, when she got there, she said there was a camera crew. And they say that she the, she asked them, what are you guys doing here? And they're like, well, Melanie said we can be here. So and she's just like, well, I'm his sister. So fuck off. She didn't say fuck off. But that's what I would. Basically. Said. Yeah. Like, what was that camera crew there for? Do you know? Well, or was it who, just a publicity thing? Who or? knows? But like the only other wrestler wrestling peeps that actually showed up were was, JR and Vince. So, yeah. Oh, who knows? Mm. Well, this is a weird, rough time. They talk, um, they talk about, you know, the kids talk about how, you know, how they said their goodbyes and what happens. In th- there's about 10 minutes left in this documentary. What happens for the next about four minutes are Brian's kids. Well, not Pillman Jr. Really, but the daughters at least shooting hard on Melanie and then Pillman Jr. Shooting on his piece of shit stepdad. Like, dude, so, this is freaking, it gets hard because like, yeah, there's like a little bit like, yeah, you said there's 10 minutes left. Yeah. Basically they're talking about the funeral. Like all the kids are still playing. Like, I don't think they really got the like weight they're like young so i don't think they understand like the weight of like their dad passing yeah. away 
So either way, like I think freaking Melanie got freaking like whatever. Melanie then says that she got was receiving freaking royalty checks from WWE for Brian yeah, Pillman. To which likeness. Britney says she's never seen a cent of it. Like, no, that was Danny. She literally says Danny like, said that. She says, like, you know, I've only sought zero of that. And then Britney's just like burying us like, no, this is where her like true character come out. And she was just a piece of shit. Because she spiraled in, you know, she hooked, she married uh, their stepdad, and so she married she a spi- piece of shit stepdad she, where they yeah. just did a lot of drug abuse. A lot of neglect. She spiraled into alcohol and depression. Like Brian Pillman Jr. says one time she drank very hard and basically was passed out on the ground yeah. and he woke her up, which helped saved her from dying of alcohol poisoning. Yeah. And then again, the stepfather, like Brian, uh, just goes on. To Dude, Bri- the Brian Jr. bits right here was like the hardest stuff. This was yeah, like. This, this is what this got the like, tears going. This was like fucking heavy. I'm like, he's dude, talking this is fucked he's up. talking about how his stepdad's pee, when he would ground him and shit, he like trained the dogs to fucking attack Brian and like... Because he had the, like the stepdad physically abused him, but then yeah. he trained the dogs to like... He if, abused the... Like, if like Yeah, if like freaking like Brian walked out, the dogs would attack him yeah. and stuff. He abused Brittany too. Danny was living with Melanie, but yeah. No, they, no, no uh, like Danny went and lived with her original mom. With her original mom, I'm sorry. Yeah, I, so I she didn't that. have to deal with Melanie, but Brittany and Brian didn't have nowhere to go, so they yeah. were stuck with Melanie. And like you know, he he was really he was, and you know he he's just choking up, and you can you can see in his eyes as he's talking about it. It's one of those things that people that go through traumatic shit go through. Where like it's not that you know it's 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 a sort of like a they start but can't stop, but it's also kind of a thing of like you can see them like regressing, like they're kind of like they're semi living it in that moment as they remember. He's talking about you know he didn't have a dad to like play catch with, and like stuff, he's just so he was like, dude, no good one, at sports, yeah, no. No one really said like to come play catch with me or like push me to do anything athletic. I wasn't athletic. So he was in the video games, but then his dad, the he, fucking his stepdad, stepdad, he would like he like took the GameCube and just chucked it yeah, against he got the a wall. GameCube. Oh, see now this part I had, I, it's horrible. But th- it's kind of funny. Like fuck your fuck. GameCube, homeboy. Oh <laughs> god damn it! I I was like I thought of that at the same time. I was like fuck, bro. God damn it! I shouldn't. But the. I could only imagine like, yo, fuck your GameCube. Chuck that fucking like brick across the room. I guess I'm not better because that made me chuckle, but that's fucked up. It's super fucked up. It's like no one should be getting their fucking game system. Because I literally was, I literally had tears. Yeah, but the GameCube is such a funny like, it's a cube that you play video games You know on. what? It's even worse too because then they have the actors in the shadows. They have a guy throw a GameCube too. I'm just like, fuck. I could, I just know at this point it's like, dude, Brian Pillard, bro. If you want to play a GameCube, I'm your boy. I'd oh, we so, love GameCube. Like, well, dude, I'm more of a PlayStation guy, but we love you know. But I feel like GameCube is just a way more easier game. It's where, a fun party system, dude. It's a fun like meet up with the boys and just freaking play like Double Dash, game. Double Dash, Mario Party Six, Mario Party. Like there was so many fucking Mario parties on that. There was like Mario Parties like three through seven. There was like three. Was no, Mario it? three on the sixty four? No, I, no, there was like three games. Or might be four. That's what I think because the first Mario, but the six game's the best one and the hardest, the bits to fight. That's like ninety dollars. Why is that spend. one the best one again? Is it does it have like the best mini games? Or? I don't know. People says it's the best one, and I bought that for like eighty nine dollars. Was it worth it? Oh fuck yeah! <laughs> we go hard on fucking Mario Party. <laughs> 
Oh man, but yes. Yeah, so there is a bright spot here in the near the end. Like it doesn't. Doc- it doesn't end with yo fuck your GameCube, homeboy. <laughs> God damn it! I'm trying not to laugh because that's fucked up. I was literally crying for Brian Pillman. I, was I wanted too. to give. I wanted to give him and his mullet a hug, but you fucking. And I'm trying. God, I'm just as bad as you. I'm like I couldn't just say that. It's like fuck because the GameCube. That's just like because dude, people were just making like or during that time, people like. Cartoons were making, were like, had fake video game systems talking about a shape oh, and video yeah. game, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. game, even Drake game and, sphere. Yeah, that was Drake and Josh. That was everything. The game sphere. The game sphere. That's what Josh the game used to sphere. The game sphere. So it was like the GameCube. Or it was like. And uh, here's the thing the GameCube has like a little carry handle on it too on the back. So it's easy to chuck. Or like Invader Zim, they had, uh, I think they had like. But that uh, was a the, solid the, brick of technology though, too. It can handle yeah. being chucked against the wall. The GameCube's very good. Yo, fuck durable. that stepdad fucking. He's a piece of shit. And like, you can see what. Because I remember when I. On the first part, I see Brian Pillman Jr. and them talking about how much freaking like ladies his dad was pulling. Yeah. And then like the freaking super babe that freaking Melanie was. I'm like sitting there like, dude, how's Brian. Like, is Brian Pillman Jr. just like. Like freaking just getting mad chicks like the like the he's got the freaking chemistry there but then you hear this abusive stepdad's like yeah. oh that's not just putting it and he straight up says that put a damper on his social ability so that 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 i mean of course it's an abusive parent but that fucked with his head dude that i'm just like oh fuck bro. his mom's his mom's neglectful and wrapped in her own world with her demons barely there you know uh, addicted to alcohol and other drugs. His his real dad's dead. Um, Rochelle's gone. I don't know if he had a relationship with her. Linda's really far away, but can't do too much. And his dad's dead. Yeah, it's and, a miracle. And his, like, that other, he can and his other sister is off with their real mom. And like him and, and the Brittany other sister he's with are is both, also being abused with him. But is doesn't in the end basically freaking Linda swoops. That's what away. I was saying. The bright spot here is Linda because the documentary says she did everything to make sure they didn't grow apart. She would get him together a couple times a month. Well, um, I said, wasn't there a point where she literally just was able to get them away from Melanie? I think they mentioned that. Like they like like freaking not Danny like Brittany says like she like yeah, Linda they, she bought, bought her, her a, house. a house. Yes. So that she could freaking like have like a normal home life and stuff. Uh, and get away Linda, from like Melanie's sketchy ass. Linda is a boss. But oh, they're, Linda they're, is an angel saint. There's some comedy here though where she's talking and you hear Pillman Jr. in the background go, "Oh, my god." In the background. He's like, "Oh my god." And there's a like, spider in the bathtub. And like he's definitely afraid of spiders. I'm like, yeah, he seems like he's the opposite of his dad. So yeah, Melanie uh, was a Brittany. You know, she loves Linda. Bought her the house. Danny puts her over. Melanie says she loves her and she just wants the kids to. But she wants the kids to forgive her for what she did. And in the end of the documentary, the last few minutes, he was talking about you know Brian's legacy, the one he left, the one that's being continued by his son, and also the tragedy of what could have been, what could have happened, and how his body just kind of gave up. Yeah, yeah, around this end too, because then literally like freaking Stone Cold found like freaking one of like Brian Pillman's like freaking weight belts. Weight belts. And he literally just called Brian Pillman Jr. out of the blue to like give it to him. And then Brian Pillman Jr. is like, you know what? Why don't we go into wrestling? Yeah, he said like, he took that as a sign from the wrestling. And gods. then like his mom sitting there is like, oh god, no, don't go into that. It's just gonna be neglect, travel, freaking neglectful relationship, drugs. I'm like, you know what's weird? The wrestling environment these days are literally just a bunch of nerds playing GameCube, most likely. Yeah. Or 
they're just on their Twitch streams. That's backstage. That's why the uh, that's why some of the older guys hate them is because I feel like I feel like they feel they don't take it too as seriously as they did in some ways, or that they're not as tough. Yeah, and I'll be honest, wrestling has. I feel like right now the environment's way healthier. Oh, it is. But I'm just saying, if 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 Stone Cold in his youth punched like, I'll say it. If Stone Cold gave Brody Lee a stiff shot, I think that floor Brody Lee. But I think if Brody Lee gave Stone Cold a stiff shot, he'd probably just like he'd feel he'd be like, oh, but I don't think he'd go down. I I will deny that I I will I gotta no, I'm say I'm not saying it. wrestling. No, if anything, I feel like wrestling could be more stiffer now than it was back then. No, it can be. It just usually isn't. You know, they're because they're all doing moves and stuff. Oh, I mean, there's some grapplers, I, but oh, you mean like moves and like striking? I don't know. I feel like there's a little, maybe some more stiffness. There's no stiff workers. Ain't, no. Well, there's Walter, and there's some guys in New Japan that hit hard, but well, who's a stiff worker right now? Brody King. Well, yeah, but Minoru Suzuki. I said him. I said the New Japan guys. Uh, frick it. Yeah, if it's mostly New Japan. Yeah. Then see. Well, if yeah, we're talking about AEW. Uh. Friggin' Eddie Kingston. Oh, yeah, he's pretty stiff. Uh, John Moxley. I don't know if he's stiff. He's just sloppy, uh, Kenny but in Omega. a good way. Well, yeah, he's not as stiff as he used to be. Uh, I was trying to think who else is really stiff I know on AEW. I know there's like three off there, but I feel like... I feel like Hangman could be stiff once in a while. Maybe. Uh, I'm trying to think. Like, dudes that get snug. Friggin' maybe Cody's willing to get snug. Jericho's pretty soft. Yeah. Hager. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, I'm not, I wasn't saying there Don't, wasn't stiff guys. No, there's stiff guys out there. Don't give me I'm that. saying there's less stiff guys. Yeah, but like. Bro, you love watching those old dinosaurs just fucking smack the sweat off each other's okay, chest. We're, yeah, we're talking about freaking Ming and the Barbarian <laughs> and like the Steiner bros. But that used to be the standard. And Let maybe Ronnie Garvin, but then you got Ric Flair who was like light as a feather. And Shawn Michaels, light as a feather. Yeah. I don't know if Brett might Brett might have been light as a feather or went hard. Who knows? I'm just saying. I I think I think I think at age 72, Jerry Lawler is light as a feather. Yeah, yeah, he's a safe worker. I've seen him go stiff a few times. I think it's like I think there's a romance. I think there's like a freaking like romance of like the cowboy shit that was pro wrestling for a lot of those older dudes, but now it's just like chilling dudes that don't have drug problems and mostly it's just sit around and play video games on their Twitch streams and stuff. Yeah. It's like, and honestly, it's like, that's a way more healthier environment too. Oh no, it's better. It's so way yeah, better. So yeah, back to Brian Pillman Jr. And like them go like, oh my God, he's just going to have this whole like cowboy lifestyle. But literally yeah. it's like, nah, I was going to say. And when they see him perform, it's like, honestly, he looks really stoked and happy to do this and stuff. They do also point out, I think it's Kim that says he feels that uh, Brian's legacy is also a bit of a cautionary tale to the fact that, you know, pills kill people. There's also Pillman Jr. says uh, the documentary ends ends with Pillman saying he's rekindled his relationship uh, with his mother and it's made her a happier person. He says his relationships with women have improved. Um, he understands some things better and, you know, he, he feels lighter not having that grudge and. Yeah. And it's just like, like he's bro, just sit there it's like honestly it's like I could be hated but like she's still my mom. I think time has passed. Yeah. I think I can like rekindle with her. He's and the he best. like and he says like honestly I felt like my relationship with women and people in general has gotten better since I'm yeah. able to like just have a, like a relationship with my mom. Bro, Pillman, I think Melanie went through the ringer. Yeah. I think she might have like calmed she herself. She got up. her she got her uh she got her comeuppance for everything. I hope to god. She looked like she did. I tell you what, man. Compared when you first that first picture of Melanie you see? Yeah. And then they show modern Melanie. I'm like, 
I sound horrible saying this, but it's like, you know what? She looked like she, she got fucked up. She looked like she, I think she got humbled. Life, yeah. Like life humbled her hard. I'd, I'll agree with that. Yeah. And then, yeah, dude, Brian and just, yeah, Brian Pillman's the best. Uh, Which one? Uh, Junior. Sorry. Well, they're both are, but Brian Pillman Jr. is the best. And just, yeah, the documentary ends with him being like, you know, I feel like this is what I was meant to do. And, you know, I'm going to continue my dad's legacy, start my own. And uh, yeah, that's how the documentary ends. And I can say, yeah, no, Brian Pillman Jr. regularly wrestles on AEW. And he's great. Not on Dynamite, but he's on Dark. Yeah, no, but like he has a tag team with some dude. This one guy called, who the fuck is Griff Garrison? Well that, well, that was the joke. Some dude named Griff Garrison. Yeah, yeah. And then literally it was a joke a while on BTE where it's like, people were sitting there like, who the fuck is Griff Garrison? And then I like, see the guy, I was like, no, that's fucking Jungle Boy. <laughs> no, that's fucking Griff Garrison. No, that's fucking Jungle Boy. That's funny. Yeah, but you know Brian Pillman Jr.? He's all right. He went through Lance Storm School, so usually a lot. there's a decent amount of good wrestlers coming out of Lance Storm School. I'm glad. Did you hear about Lance Storm's new service he has right now? Oh, yeah, where he like sits there and like- He'll hunt. rate you for like a, a hundred some dollars. He'll, he'll, he won't just rate your match. He'll give advice. He like breaks down your match and he like kind of gives you like stuff of just basic information where it's like, honestly, this is where you kind of act. Maybe this is how you pace. Like there's a great, uh, that fucking episode where he like- like reviews the battle of the empire brian and oh yeah that's on the advertisement at the end of every wrestling observer video on youtube all their videos end with an ad for that and it shows clips from that like 12 of their videos that's like the last minute and a half it's him reviewing battle of the empire he something like and and she that's where um you know you sell the water because you want excitement and yeah stuff. you want excitement like i like that you sold the water and then you can see like right here Vinny, you look like you look like you got really gassed out and stuff too. <laughs> and he's just sitting there. I was like, well, I was living the gimmick. I was not preparing for this match and stuff. And then you can see, it's like, you guys could have wait there. Vinny, you could have had maybe like right here, get a little bit more fire, take a breather, get the crowd going, kind of show that you're coming back. But then yeah. Brian comes in and like intervenes and stuff. You know, like, I hope Lance Storm's like genuine. He's a good guy. He's a great guy. But like, I hope like, cause I'm sure he gets a lot of requests for that. I hope he doesn't half ass it. You know, it's like a thing where you, you pay the 150. He sees Have a you match. Heard him talk about wrestling psychology. Yes. He, he's my favorite person. He to will go 30 to talk minutes. About psychology. Like if you get him going, he'll talk for a strip 15 to 30 minutes. He's straight. my, he's I, nonstop. I think almost, pro- I think probably more than Meltzer. He's like my favorite person to listen to talk about wrestling. Yeah. Cause he gets, he gets everything. He gets the psychology. He gets the technicality but he also gets having characters and personality and old school He's thinking great. and stuff and it's then, a shame then like, try to he put was, logic in your like it's a shame because he was never like an all-time greater he is outside the ring backstage but like you know you look at if you just looked at his championships and stuff it's like yeah he's pretty good like his career yeah no but like as a worker he's top tier he's great yeah freaking yeah, so that's freaking Brian Pillman Dark Side of Ring. What'd you think about it? I thought it was awesome. I thought it, it was great. Re- Dude, the Brian Pillman Jr. stuff with the abusive dad, that was the gnarliest. That fucked I'm just I'm like sitting there, I'm like, oh, fuck, this is so heavy. I Fuck, dude, I don't know. Like, this is Must not have been too heavy because you were like, yo, homeboy, fuck your GameCube. But that's the first thing that came to mind. I had the fucking nervous choking like syndrome right there. The guy chucks it, like, he just, he like yanked out my GameCube. And I'm just sitting there like, yo, fuck your GameCube. <laughs> And then they show the actors. He throws the GameCube. I'm like, that's the first someone had to go out and buy a GameCube for this for this documentary. Like GameCubes are cheap. No, they're cheap. Mario but Party they still Six have isn't cheap. <laughs> that's true. Fuck, dude, GameCube's great because Melee's a great game. I hear the that's good. I hear the last recent Smash Bros. game is like Ultimate. 
Yeah, whatever. Like that plays like as fast as melee. Yeah, because brawl they slowed everything. I don't. No one like, gives a shit about the fourth one. Because like brawl like, they slowed it down. Like sixty four was slow. Brawl was slow because they wanted to make it kind of like more accessible for anyone. Yeah, to play. they wanted to make it more balanced. Yeah, and then freaking. But like melee is the weird one because it was a rush game mm-hmm. and like the coding, like they fucked up in the coding where it's a way more fast paced game. Yeah, but. I'm more of a melee guy. But, yeah, but that's what that's why uh, that's why the fighter gaming community likes it. Yeah, it's like, oh, this is a fighter game. This is the fighting game gamer stuff. That's the only one that the fighting game but community like takes the, seriously. Yeah, but then like, isn't like the recent one like it is noticeably faster paced. I know that because I've gotten a chance to play it a few times, and I played Brawl so much that I had because I I almost always just play a snake, right? So in Brawl, I had his moves completely memorized, and just you could feel it right away. Just everything is. I would say probably not as fast as melee, but it is at least two to five frames faster than Brawl. It's no. Noticeable. But it, is it as fast as Melee? I don't think so. I haven't played it in a long time. Because Melee, you'd probably, have to play it yourself and see. Yeah. Because like Melee, though, the uh, the OC guys have a Switch now. I don't yeah, know if you heard about that. Oh yeah, no, they have a Switch. So and you like, can play but, it for yourself. So, well, who do you play as again? Oh, I think I just go with Link. Oh yeah, that's right. He's just more well, like he's strong enough, but he's still fast enough. Yeah, bro, Luigi. Luigi. Yeah, dude. When it goes to Melee. Luigi. Yeah, yeah, but fucking yeah, I know for sure I'm a melee purist, but that's because like, dude, GameCube just has great party games. They do. But even in the 64, dude, because I'm going with the OC when hang out the OC boys, freaking like they got a freaking like N64 emulator cartridge thing. So literally, oh, it's yeah. like basically every N64 game. And dude, fucking me and Bone still been having fiery matches on freaking on Mario Tennis 64. <laughs> Mario Tennis, dude, that game's so good. Well, I like I remember playing Mario Tennis on fucking like GameCube or. Or even on like the Wii. Yeah. But either way, but freaking like that game still plays awesome. My favorite one of my favorite Mario games that they ever did that they they only had two games for was Mario Strikers. It was the Mario Soccer game. But it wasn't like regular they they had like this like weird like Warhammer aesthetic. They wore like bat they look they all dressed like the Legion of Doom with like battle armor and it was called like Strikers. The other one was called Strikers Charged on the Wii. It was so, it was so unnecessarily like not even edgy, but it just, it didn't look like Mario at all, but it was so, (laughs) because like some of the arenas were like in fucking space. It was a fun ass game though. I kicked ass as Waluigi. Yeah. But yeah, no. Striker, bring back, bring back Strikers, yo, Nintendo, bring back Mario Galaxy. Yo, Nintendo's got the best freaking and chill- put Sora in Smash. The chillin' fucking party games. Yeah, man. Not like, hey, let's fucking just go online and play multiplayer games. Yeah, yeah. No, I want my homies there because yeah. that's when you split screen co-op. Oh no, the best is when you got the one homie who Golden Eye. where you're worried about his blood pressure. He's gonna have a heart attack on you. Oh, are you talking about uh, good friend Bone Steel? He gets so into it. There have been times where he'll really just sit there, we'll just be going with it, and he has to, like, stop, put his face down in a pillow, because he just feels this, like, blood pressure is through the roof. It's fun playing games with him, especially wrestling ones when or he gets into like, it, because in, he always sits together all scrunched up, and if you counter his moves, he'll be like, oh, fuck, he'll, like, jump, he's like, oh, motherfucker, you hear him most, he's like, oh, motherfucker, motherfucker, ah, bitch. And he's just, and, and, and then, then, and then if he beats you, he'll look at you and say something like, oh, yeah, cunt. <laughs> or he just fucking gets in your face, like, whoa, what up? Yeah, can't handle the bone daddy. Come on, come on. And then you beat him, he's like, whoa, what the fuck? <laughs> mm. 
I one of my favorite stories is the story of Double Dash, where um, where Dylan, our good friend Dylan, got so mad at Bone Steel because Bone Steel was like, "All right, this is Operation Fuck Dylan." He knocks the <laughs> fucking controller out of his hand. I've always looked for an opportunity. I think I did that to Jake once, and he got like no chill pissed at me. I was like, "But you did it to Dylan." Oh, Jake, I love you, but use a use a hoe. Use a hoe. All right. We should wrap this up. Are this we, has gone are we long. Watch, are we watching Rock of Love next week? Is there anything else we can watch? Nah, let's just fucking listen to Ice Earth and watch the Nick... I'm guessing the Nick Gage episode. Is that out next week? I think that might be the next one. I'm down for that. Whatever. We're just going to continue with Dark Side of the Ring. I don't know if we want to go to Brett Michaels. There's only like... Seven episodes of Dark Side of the Ring we got to do. Yeah. So it ain't going to last long. Ain't going to last forever. Fine by me. So fucking next is we get to see, we get to hear about the dark side of Deathmatch wrestling and Nick fucking Gage. Oh yeah. The dark side of Deathmatch. Crazy idea. Uh, uh, it supposedly gets really, really dark. Well, no, it's just because I assumed it was dark already. Yeah. But like, I guess Nick Gage goes really dark. Don't worry. This guy went to fucking jail. No, he did. Yeah, he went and stole like a jewelry store or some stuff. And then, yeah, you get Arquette in there too. Tell him, like, honestly, I was way over my head. I was not yeah. prepared for a death match with freaking Nick, Nick Gage. Gage. All right, everybody. All we'll right. talk to you next time. All right. Everyone, have a good one. Adios.